Chris, are we alone now? Are we alone? We're alone. All the producers have gotten off the Zoom call and now it's just you and I, right? Okay, I'm so happy to be alone with you. We'll be alone in two seconds. Let me just finish this situation that's going on. Oh, I mean, I'm sorry, go. Get out of here. Oh, we're recording. Holy shit, I didn't even know. Ah, Chris, give me your muscles. Right there, right there, right there. Look. Oh my God, you've been working out in quarantine. Not me. Go ahead. Go ahead, welcome us. Where are we? What are we doing? Oh, welcome to Made Women with Auntie Chris and Uncle Dre. Here we are to make your day. Um, Ajita, what do we got, Chris? What do we got for Ajita today? What's your Ajita today? I got, I got a couple things. One, I mean, it's kind of like a happy Ajita, but it's still Ajita. The kids finished school this week, so now. Where we had a little bit of Zoom, a little bit of education. Now we are trying to find these kids entertainment for a hundred percent of their day. So for we're me, own. we're on our own. I mean, before it was hard just getting into that whole schedule of trying to like Zoom educate your child and what that looks like. And now it's gonna be how do we keep them off electronics and how do we keep them amused and their brains active all day, every day for the next what? three months and who knows if we're going back to school so that's a whole nother thing are we going back to school that is not a major agita for me because i'm actually excited about the schooling that i wanted to do with the kids like when we first started i started schooling blackjack on my own bama is taken care of she does her zoom classes blackjack Mm -hmm. missed every zoom meeting he had because we've been waking up at 10 and they're at nine and i'm like (laughs) i'm not waking my child up when we're being forced to stay at home they yeah. finally, all their dreams have come true. Why is school so early? Well, now school's not early. Your dreams have come true. So <laughs> if, you're, if, you're, if your dreams are going to be smashed in a quarantine, like all these kids who can't graduate, like your son who couldn't go receive his honors and all these things, if your dreams are going to get smashed in a quarantine, then I say, let's bring some dreams. Um, let's, let's keep some other dreams alive. Like the, yeah. the, the idea of never having to wake up at 6 a.m. again. So oh, I'll be I damned if I'm getting on a 9 a.m. Zoom. I know. Damn. The, the hustle and bustle <laughs> of the morning and getting the kids to school and it, I do not miss. So I don't miss if, it either. You know, I mean, I know the kids miss being with their other friends to a certain degree, but I don't know. Some like, kids, do, not, some not kids. my daughter. <laughs> yeah, my, my daughter does miss it. My son doesn't. So I don't know. But, you know after the summer that could be a whole different thing for them but no, there's no camps right or at least i'm not i don't are you gonna send you don't do camps in general for your kids right no we're yeah. starting a whole a whole new curriculum right now that's that's our stuff like we're gonna we're doing italian um mm-hmm. i should probably get them on spanish a little bit even though that's what we speak at home so that you know we're all speaking spanish but bama's been writing in spanish a lot lately i noticed that she could maybe use a little more guidance so so Spanish, but um, we're going to take this course on building dome homes. Amazing. Um, online. And I, uh-huh. yeah, so if we ever buy a little piece of property, when we get um, kicked out of this house, when I can't pay my mortgage anymore, we figure we would just go <laughs> live, live off the land and build our own homes. This is what the kids and I have a, have a plan B. Um, well, that's great. So this is our plan B right now. And they really well, want to build these, these earth homes. Um, so we're going to do that. And then um, Blackjack wants to learn about deep, deep space. Like he's really, did I tell you that there was a psychic at one point who told me that Blackjack was a scientist in another life? 
Yes, you did. That's so crazy. Weird. Yeah, because he never talks about anything. Like, just did I just spit all over the screen? Felt like I you, just why, spit you, right why are you here. spitting on me? Why are you spitting on me right now? <laughs> I also have a terrible headache today. Oh, I have no. a terrible headache, and I also um, yeah, I have a terrible headache. So that's where that's where we're at today. I have agita. More agita with the head. And yeah, I think that I I feel like I'm I'm done. I was just talking about this with Robbie. In the first part of the quarantine, there was um, some weird, like not nostalgia, but like new moments being being created. It's like in this episode where they say at the end, you'll remember the times like these that were good. Mm. Even yeah. though there was all this awful stuff happening and so much confusion and ambiguity, just like in this episode um, and, and all the Soprano episodes, I feel like there was there are these little sparks of magic within the quarantine between our family members. This sort of, you know, really understanding that we are here for each other, that we are a unit and that we all Mm -hmm. have each other's backs. Not not something that we can say about the family and the Sopranos, obviously. And this episode deals with that, I think, to a large degree. But those moments within the quarantine were really, really special. We created certain routines and things that were important to us. And now in the final hours of this thing, which I feel like we're in the final hours of it, like I'm really just fucking ready for it to be over. I know, me too. I could have stayed in it a long time. You're more social than I am. I'm very antisocial. So for me, it was okay. But I, now I'm ready. To get the well, fuck I out feel of this like house. there's definitely some some little things that my family was doing, and had had the quarantine not happened, I don't think we. I mean, it's hard to get a 12 year old boy on a walk once a day, and this, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just to spend time. We have been spending so much time together, whether it's like family movie night or like a family walk, even just like just around our hood, and the talks that go along with that. I mean, those are the, those are the moments you remember. And yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I have the quarantine to thank for those new traditions. So, yeah, yeah. I think everybody across the the globe will, will probably contest to that, unless they were alone at home, which is another thing that drives me crazy. A lot of my friends that were alone, but a lot of them found ways to, you know, to to stay connected to other people, to see other people, to shack up with other people, quarantine with other people. I mean, for some, um, absolutely. But anyway, like I, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready for this all to calm down a little bit. You know, I feel I, know. Like I have, I feel like I have the weight of the world on my shoulders today. Anyway, getting into ah. the Sopranos. Um, we'll talk about all that as we relate to this episode, because I think we're, you know, we're dealing with the remnants of depression, all kinds of, all kinds of personality disorders uh. and whatnot. And I probably have about five of them. So let's go. <laughs> Oh my God, I love it. All right, go ahead. Previously. Previously on The Sopranos, Tony became interested in his neighbor's Italian exchange student. Christopher stopped a hit on Tony and an FBI agent advised The Sopranos to relocate. Mm, episode 13. Previously. I think, I, I mean, we're it's wrapping it up. A little bow. All right. I know. Uh, episode, we're, wait, we're at episode 13. We're at the season finale of season finale. one. Finale? Why, why are we addressing that? This is the season <sighs> finale for Christ's sake. Are we sakes. done after this, Chris? Are we just going to quit the, the we're Made quitting. Women podcast? Bye, guys. It's been All so right, let's, nice. Let's forget about it. Let's go. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> See you later. 
<laughs> oh my god seriously oh my god. we're done we just wanted to do the first season thanks for listening you guys have been great and um yeah what a great episode ending for the uh season finale so episode 13 recap on today's episode of the sopranos i dream of Jeannie Cusimano. Melfi suggests that Tony's mother may have been behind the hit on his life, causing Tony to lash out and violently to lash out violently at Melfi. Tony finally learns who is who is really behind the attempt on his life. Artie discovers that Tony may have been behind the fire at Vesuvio's. We learn that Livia may be suffering from Alzheimer's, and the FBI comes down hard on Junior and his associates with an indictment. Or many. Mm-hmm. That's our recap, people. Lots now what? going on. Lots going on. Should Lots we talk about the title, how we always do? We talk a little Ooh. bit about the title. I dream okay. of Jeannie Cusimano. This is going to be a tough one because I am going to just... I'm going to pull shit out of a hat today because this one's a little less obvious, even though Tony Soprano talks about fucking Jeannie Cusimano, Cusimano doggy style. I know there have been reference. Obviously, there are references to "I Dream of Jeannie," right? Um, Barbara mm-hmm. Eden. Um, what I take from that title, possibly, and I could be wrong about this because it's just my interpretation, which is, you know, which I love about the show. It always kind of leaves things up for interpretation. I think this episode does a lot as well because we're always dealing with some level of ambiguity. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. You look really cute. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to sit again. <laughs> this is, can I do this? Can I do this on the podcast? Everyone, I'm giving her the finger right now. Two fingers. I, I'm looking for, I see all your Sons of Anarchy stuff behind you. And I'm looking yeah. for my Sons of Anarchy stuff because, because I was on that show too. And my husband did the music or the main title. Yes. We've We're going to do a that. Sons of Anarchy rewatch tomorrow. That's We're next. starting actually, that tomorrow, guys, actually. I'm just kidding. Season one, episode one, Sons of Anarchy. Um, okay. So back to the title. Um, I felt like there was an innocence around that time of TV, um, TV shows. The TV shows were, were a much more innocent kind of a TV show. A genie, yeah. you think of a genie, you think of, she was always um, in, in, you know, the female um, character, nurturing, giving wishes, granting wishes all the time, making I mean, dreams come true. If you think about who, uh, I, you know, the genie, the, a genie, not genie, who her name is still genie, which rhymes with genie. They both oh my genie. God, I mean, by the way, can you say, can you say the word genie one more time, please. <laughs> hold on, I'm gonna hold this. I'm gonna impale um, myself. <laughs> I can. I think I told you I have a headache, and I think I'm losing my mind. Um, I'm gonna say genie, genie again. Um, yeah, granting wishes, and now you have uh, her juxtaposed against this, you know, Livia Soprano. I mean, your your mom always wants to make your dreams come true. Like, how can I help make my my kids' dreams come true? Oh, yeah. So he. He's dreaming about his neighbor, Isabella, or having a hallucination about a woman who lives in Jeannie Cusimano's backyard. Um, I think that they're, he sexually was attracted to her, but he also, you know, was very reserved around her because that was a mother figure. Now he's got Jeannie Cusimano bent over backwards, doggy style, where he can't see her face. And this is who he's fucking. Um, <laughs> and she's on her I'm, knees. A woman on her weird? knees I with know, her back turned. 
isn't it weird when you have dreams and we all have had them about like people that you you would never be sexually attracted to or like and you're having like those dreams about somebody like I don't know maybe I don't think Tony was attracted to Jeannie Cusimano but no it related to yeah and all of a sudden his head morphed it into that doing her doggy style so I'm just saying everybody everybody does that well, I also think, you know, his, Tony Soprano's subconscious plays such a huge role on the show, and you never really deal with people's subconscious in TV shows to that degree. I mean, you do when you see the subtext of stuff, all the underlying things that are happening that motivate people. But in this yeah. show, particularly so much attention is given to, it, given to it because he's seeing a psychiatrist who's tearing apart all of these things in his life. So there's a lot of dream sequences in the first season. Um, there's a hallucination and Tony is at odds with his own subconscious. I mean, even in this in this episode where he goes to Melfi, which we'll get to later with that amazing scene, he's 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 such an evolved character for, and especially yeah. like a mobster. This is an evolved man who has an incredible self awareness and, and an awareness of his own consciousness, and um, and he's always trying to better himself in some way. However, having a mother like that will always keep him in check because he'll always sort of turn into her to a certain degree or recreate that that story for himself. So his mm -hmm. level of consciousness is not that deep, but he is seeing a psychiatrist in a mob world. Crazy. We'll deal with that in this episode, too. But um, he defeats himself. And, you know, she even says, I'll do, you know, I, I have to. Well, we'll get to that later. Anyways, um, yeah. back to the title. Um, she's just a regular neighbor too, Jeannie Cusimano. This is like a regular Italian family that are that's living next door. There's no mystery. There's no, there's no, no. Um, violence. It's it's Jeannie mm -hmm. Cusimano, and it, it might be a slight callback to the mayonnaisers to um, Livia roaming the neighborhood late at night, and the policeman comes to the door and says, um, "Your neighbors called the police on you." The neighbors called the police because they saw a woman oh. running around the neighborhood. Uh -huh. So, you know, she is breaking the law. She's a fucking murderous bitch, obviously. And she's taking her story, you know, which again leads it again to the ambiguity of, wow, is she really breaking down? Or is this all a part of the act? And then you have a cop who comes and... I mean, you're going so ahead right I'm now. I'm going far. I am. Because Let's you know why? Stop, I'm gonna stop the madness now. Stop well, the madness. I'm going to tell you why I'm going so far no, with no, this no. title. I couldn't find the meaning like 100% other than it's just as simple as I Dream of Jeannie. Yeah, you know. so? Let's, let's, why can't something but, be simple in The Sopranos? Because, I, like, that because is nothing simple. is simple. Nothing, Chris, nothing is I ever want, simple in life. I want simplicity what the, in What's life happening right to now. the world right now? No, nothing I is want simple. Some, there are so many colors to every situation. I, I want simplicity in life. All right, so the summary, basically what this, what this episode deals with a lot. Vengeance, retribution, betrayal, all of it. For me... Yes. And trust, so trust is a big one, I think, in this in this episode one. too, which we you yeah. know that takes us through all of those the, all of those other themes, and coming clean and all these secrets being exposed, everything it all wraps up. I feel felt like what a great if if The Sopranos was done, if it was finished after this episode, I would have felt I, I would have been fulfilled because it was a great ending season finale you wouldn't have been fulfilled oh you would I have would, you wouldn't i have. would have been well there fulfilled. was um you know i yeah. used to read a lot of the articles on the show and stuff and i remember david in an interview said 
that there was a pot. He didn't think he, that they were, they didn't know if they were getting picked up. I mean, you never know with a series yeah. when we shoot it, if we're getting picked up for another season. So he uh -huh. wrote it so that it could be an ending. I mean, I felt like the, the last two episodes of this season were like a movie. If you put them together, oh. they could make a little film, right? It was so good. Like, of course I'd want more because I'm a fan, but it was the ending just for me, wrap things up where, you know, I, I, I thought it was fantastic. So me too. We'll get to the um, ending ending um, at some point, but I think back to all the different um, themes that are happening and all the undertones, this thing of trust. Um, I feel like, and, and the whole ambiguity you see early on with Livia um, do there, there's still, it's still not sure and vague if she's really, um, having a stroke, if she's really, really has dementia. We still don't really know if Jimmy was a rat, even though he kind of, you know, I in that know. scene where they clip him, he's, you know, he's like, oh my God, you know, so we, we kind of have confirmation sort of, but there's no real confirmation. Pussy's missing still. Um, how do we, and, and then how do the men feel about Tony when he confesses to them later on, there's still this big space oh, of, un you just don't know how anyone feels. People are sort of squirrely around everything. And then I there's know. the whole um, thing with Tony is that both families, like he's, I think he's, he's stoic through this episode, but um, both families could betray him. And I think yeah. he's always afraid of losing his family He's not losing his wife because you see how awesome she is with him in this in this episode, but um, and how she sticks up for him. But Junior, his her, his uncle and his mother, I mean, <sighs> and then he doesn't know if psychiatry is going to be the end of his relationship with with his with his boys as well. So yeah, yeah, that's where we're at. So let's let's go right into the uh, the meeting at the Capos that's um, hosted by Junior, right? Yes, that's where one of my favorite songs gets played. What song is it? Um, Inside of Me, um, one of the uh, one of Stevie Van Zandt's songs. Mm. I, I, I read that um, when I was doing some research that Steve Van Zandt basically helped with um, the music for all, like the suggestions oh, for yeah. all the music for a lot of. He had a big influence on David Chase, so that's pretty cool. I mean, you can see that because of the Bruce Springsteen song at the end and all that that we'll get into later. Yeah, you know, but, we, um, we, we, we used to be able to go to all the Springsteen concerts back then. That was really kind of fun. But anyways, let's continue. I love it. The, the other boss, Bruce Springsteen. Mm -hmm. anyway. Yes, a boss, another boss. Exactly. Another boss. Uh -huh. So this Bruce is where Junior, this is where Junior gives Tony the okay to send a message to everybody else by whacking Jimmy, who has been found out to be the mall. Yes. Right. Um, yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy holds that meeting. Um, clearly he knows that, uh, I mean, he's, he's, he's trying to get everybody to recap information for his wire and they, they're aware of it. So they're just like, fuck this. Um, but that's, you know, that's sort of meaningless. I think what's more meaningful yeah. is at the very end of the scene, the look on Tony's face, um, I think the lyric in that song at the very, when they kick the, then I mean, the song's been playing through the scene. Um, mm -hmm. There are satrials. And so it must be playing through someone's radio while they're, you know, in the kitchen, they're in the back room, but not in the kitchen, in the, in the, in the, in the area where they chop the meat up. Um, he says, uh, I'm a little bit older. And you see, 
Tony Soprano's face, he looks like a little boy. Like he is fucking exciting. This is all manipulation set in motion. Yeah. There is nothing's real. Nothing real is going on here. I mean, yeah, this is real. There, the, he has, he didn't need fucking Junior's consent to whack anybody. No, he's no. It's a fucking throwaway, but he's just keeping things on, on the straight and narrow. And it's all manipulation. Mm-hmm. He's just like his mother to a certain degree. Yeah, but he doesn't do that to his kids. Like that, there's a different set of standards that Tony has. I mean, we all try to better ourselves from where we came from. So I think that's his. Like maybe he does it in his mafia family, but not in his in his genetic family. Of course, that's. But, what, I mean, but Livia doesn't. Livia is like no holds barred. There's no rules for her. But you also, if you read about which I have been lately about the five families. There have been a lot of family, a lot of family whackings, a lot of orders given by family members to whack other family members. And that's, that's a fucking reality. So you just really never know who you can trust. No place is safe, you know? So anyways. Yes. Anyway, so then we go to um, Jimmy gets back to the hotel, which is kind of a funny scene, right? With Christopher. Christopher wasn't heavy in this episode at all. Um, um just no, little side not. scene. This, I mean, this episode is because he there's no betrayal with him, there's no retribution, there's no vengeance. Like this is all about um taking care of business, wrapping up all of the the loose ends that have been hanging, that have been threatening Tony Soprano over the last season. And Christopher's not a threat. None of the men are a threat to him right no. now. None of his boys are a threat. His his well, own family is a threat right now. Yeah. So Jimmy's like, you fucking punk ass piece of shit. What do you forget? I'm a captain. And Sylvia, there, there, Sylvia, one... Sil- Silvio. Did I just oh, I say like Sylvia? When you call him Sylvia? I like when you call him Sylvia. It's my favorite. Oh my God, Sylvia. Can you please? I like when you mispronounce names. On He's the such, it's my okay, can I say that? Always. By the way, people, I'm always going to do that. I come from an Italian family. Um, I That's what Italian women all, do of my dad even calls all my friends like the completely wrong name like when I say completely so it's in my blood so I mean you remind me of all the ladies in my house except you're gorgeous (laughs) and young these were older ladies and they had the raspy voice like yours they'd have a fucking cigarette hanging out of their mouths I think this should be a character on here named Sylvia. I mean, I just think this should be a woman named Sylvia (laughs) and she mispronounces everyone's name (laughs) <laughs> there yes <laughs> anyway sylvia why don't you call help on your for your radio mic you fucking rat why don't you there, call for help yeah there's only one good line in that scene i mean i love Which the one? lines in the scene i love when uh want you call for your and then i like when i like when uh christopher says because he didn't have time to put on anything decent like his fucking wire um and then he's but, in the elevator do i have too much cologne on like it's so funny the way they, you, the, the, yeah that's it. i love that what does he say you smell like paco raban crawled up your ass and died <laughs> um but the best line for me was when jimmy says big tits little feet <laughs> big hit in any man's league big tits and little feet anyway so now we're we're, we're, we're he's killed they kill him his brains fucking hit the lamp I don't know why. I don't know why, but when the brains hit the lamp, I went. Yes. I what my mind went back to the painting of a bigger splash. I don't even know if it was really called a bigger splash because it might not have been the Hockney painting, the painting with the the chair falling over. I don't know why mm. that stuck in my head, but for some reason it did. Let's just move on. Meadow and the boy are making out on the couch. 
Oh my God. Can um, we say it there? Wait, by the way, they're making out and he's humping her. He's, don't oh, say it. No, stop it. Do you want to relate, Dre? Because you know what? That's gonna that's just happening in your house in about a couple <gasps> years. I'm gonna give a dry you a couple hump? years. That a was my hump. favorite when I was a kid. This episode's okay. going south. <laughs> <laughs> We're just relating this whole episode. It's a season finale. We can do whatever the fuck we want. So, um by the anyway, way, I found humping. it interesting. Dry humping. Yeah, yeah. That, God, in my acid wash jeans. Okay, I'm done. Yes! Um, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> the sorry. Cavaricis. The guy who has the Cavaricis in New Jersey. Oh. Okay. Oh God. my God. Uh, by the way, what? Tommy Marino. Me and Tommy Marino. Model with his little tiny mustache and his big green eyes. I can't. Okay. Um, <laughs> back to back to the episode. Um, so Meadow, I found this interesting, would rather yeah. watch violence than partake in anything that was loving or connected. She wanted to watch that plant destroy people. She's like, oh, Georgia O'Keeffe. You know, she's like seeing art and violence. Like this is where she's at. So um, anyway. So Livia's outside. So speaking of, let's get back to the dry humping and the the things that teens do. AJ. And the police. AJ's in his bedroom. But what is AJ doing in his bedroom? Oh, I can't think about these things when it comes the to the whole, kids. I know the whole bed shaking. I'm like, what is happening? Is he? Is there a yeah. girl in there? No, He's no girl. Off. AJ's jerking off, and then Livia's wandering outside. Which, you know, at that point, I'm like, this is not an act. This, this woman, Satimia, yeah. Satimia. <laughs> that this job, woman has dementia. Like she's clearly well. I don't know, Alzheimer's. and we'll. We'll we'll get to that, but I'm not a. Oh I, I I am just wondering if she has. You know, you know when you tell a lie when you're young, and and sometimes you just like not that young because kids you that are really young can it. get out. But you get no. But even when you're older, like say you're like 20 and you tell a lie, and you just don't know how to stop it. Mm-hmm. It just keeps fucking spiraling. Um. So now she's building a case for herself, basically. But again, you know, whether or not her dementia exists remains to be seen. This is part of, of you know, the ambiguity, I think, of of this show and whether or not you know, it keeps you guessing. It's kind of a cliffhanger to a degree. Yeah. So it's kind of, like, you know, kind of just TV one on one in way in ways like that. But not really with this show, the way it's handled. Um, I thought that she was calling for for she was calling Kiki. Is it Kiki or Kiki? I think it's Kiki. You remember in the last episode, and I think it's in Isabella, Uh where she's talking to to Junior, and she says to him, you know, after after Satimia's son, oh, my cousin Kiki had a lobotomy. He was never the same again. He should have, you know, he he, his mother said she would he would have been better off dead, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. She's calling that person at the Tony Soprano house. So is she, in fact, looking for her son, Tony Soprano, who's like Kiki? You know, why Why that choice? Why Kiki? Who hmm. was better off dead? Satimia's son, who was better off dead. And Satimia, she's calling her Facha Brut. She hates Satimia. Um, ugly, ugly face, right? Facha yeah, Brut. Facha Brut. Something you are not. You are not a Facha And Brut. neither are you. Anyway. Yeah, I could be a little bit of a Facha Brut. But um, I, I was the the way the cop Ooh. says to her when the cop says to her, "Is this your house?" Her fucking look on her face. I is don't so remember. Scary. 
it oh, is. So I don't... It, go back and watch it. It's I was... so scary. You see her preparing. You don't know if it's a look of confusion or one of strategy. You she's can't really amazing. tell. She's what a great actress. Phenomenal. But I was concentrating, like I was more horrified the way the kids were gonna digest that and what was gonna happen because it's just, they don't know. First time dealing with dementia or Alzheimer's and their parents aren't home. You know, that was Yeah, but you see how brutal. Robert's laughing when she said when she's like he's like he's they're not affected. These kids aren't affected. Nothing affects them. They 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 you know, they're kind of jaded to a large yeah. degree. You know? And yeah. You see that, you know, that episode where the episode right before where he gets shot um, and they're under that sign, you know, keep families safe. These kids, you know, they've made their peace with the idea that this wasn't a carjacking, that there was a hit on their mm -hmm. dad. And, yeah. you know, it's slowly been unfolding all season long. Um, they know what's up. But, but her look of confusion or strategy is priceless in that scene. I don't. I don't think she could be that great of an actress, Livia, to to fake that. Like, there's there's something going on there, and that's what I think that this is this is leaving the whole ambiguity out there. But there's something happening with her that's not right in the brain. But Medically as an actor, right. as an actor, you have to make a choice. Like, you have to decide: Do I have dementia or do I not have dementia? You can't play so, it both ways. What was her choice? What was she's it? She's not do here, know? and I I don't know. Ah, it would be great to oh. um. Ask her that, right? I know, I know. But that's, um, but you know, let's talk about dementia for a quick second because we do this all the time. You know, my mother has dementia. Yeah. Um, it's, and we all have been in denial about her dementia for years because a lot of us believed that it was an emotional. I don't, you know, I, I, I have not read about dementia the way that I should have. If anybody gets, you know, the tiniest thing wrong with them, I'm the first on the Google trying to figure out how to help them. With, I, I know everything about heart transplants because of monkey. <laughs> I know everything about strokes because of my father. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know much about Alzheimer's or dementia because honestly, both myself and my brothers have been in denial about it as she's been in denial about it. She refuses to admit that she has dementia which most yeah. people who are getting it are worried and they take themselves to get tested. This is someone who absolutely refuses to believe that she has this, which in itself is probably another um, mania of some kind um, or disorder. Because when her mother, who was a narcissist like Livia, mm -hmm. when her mother died, and then my father died shortly after. She lost a lot of people at once. She lost a lot, most of her family. Her brother died. All her aunts died. My my father died. This all happened within a four, three, three year span, three to four year span. So the life as she knew it, and we all know, I've mentioned this before, her family was in, in the mafia. Her, her father was. Um, she suddenly lost her memory completely. She also um, started taking my my uncle's painkillers as he was dying, and then she got hooked completely on pain pills. Ugh. So developing dementia around that time, we thought she was just on drugs. We didn't know, you know, once we got the drugs out of her system, we realized that she had lost a, an enormous amount of brain capacity. Yeah. We all believed that it was a shutdown because she no longer had her past um around her 
And the only way for her to deal with her really twisted past was, I think when it was all gone, it was, there was like this, um, a guilt, like this terrible fucking guilt mm -hmm. for not being the daughter that she should have been all of these things. Um, so, so it's easier to things, forget. Yeah. We, oh, we didn't think it was totally clinical. We thought that there was an emotional, I'm going to have dementia now and I'm never going to admit that I have dementia. It's like mm -hmm. a fucking crazy mind fuck. I was going to yeah. try not to curse in this episode. And I just said fucking crazy mind fuck all in one you were? sentence. All I was right, going to try. try. But Let's I forgot try. that I'm I was going to try. I forgot. You know why? <laughs> because I'm worried that I have dementia. Dementia. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And I worry about it every day because of her. And it freaks I know, me out. I know. You know, because no, we pass our time. shit down generations to generations. I don't, I don't mean genetics. I just mean family trauma and all of the crazy things that have happened within a family and how you carry that those burdens with you. It doesn't have to necessarily be DNA, but you're carrying the traumatic experiences of your family members. And if I come from that family, well, what yeah. does that mean for me? I've had a crazy life too. No, but you live such a different life from what you say about your, that your mom lives. So I think that there's a different awareness there at a younger age for you. I don't know. But anyway, my mom, dementia directly relates to the life the life that she her childhood and how she grew up and that was mm -hmm. in in the friggin mafia and it's like she just had to fucking shut the door once her mother was gone her mother who was like tony soprano like livia and tony soprano for her it was a very similar relationship but the minute her mother died she she died with her it was like she thought she was going to be free once that woman was gone but she died with her so if Tony Soprano would have succeeded in this episode the way he tries to at some point, um, killing his mother, not only would the show have been over because people wouldn't have been able to identify with him as even the anti-hero anymore. No. Um, they, it would have, you know, he could have never lived with himself, with his own conscience. So anyway, yes. um, dementia. It's exciting. We'll continue to <laughs> um melfi's office to, and again yeah. she she says to him i she she's the first one to insinuate that it's all a fucking act yeah she's somewhat aggressive in her in her um take how she like deals with it. i mean i i get her wanting to identify this for tony but she says i mean in the beginning she's like isn't it interesting that this memory loss cropped up right after you failed to be killed in the carjacking you think this was a carjacking and that she's like slowly creeping in, but she doesn't take his signs at all. When he, you can clearly see in this episode that he's not following down, not following her down this path. And she's does. just, she's hammering now. She's, you know, she just keeps going. She brings out the book. She's reading from the book about borderline personality disorder. Um, well, she says your, sub, your subconscious was shouting something at you. Yeah. Um, you know, and because Tony is in therapy, he clearly has a grasp on the fact that he needs a handle on his subconscious to a certain degree. Because that's what panic t attacks are. Again, I can relate to that since I'm someone who has panic attacks. But um, she even says, not literally, your life was in danger. Okay, so I'm willing to put the cards on the table um, for the Save first time. She says... You know, I, I remember with my shrink and I've been in therapy, you know, I was in therapy since I was seven years old until I was uh, in my mid 40s and I'm in my late 40s now. So, yeah, early, yeah, mid mid to late 40s, um, no, mid to early 40s, sorry. 
But um, she says, normally I want my patients to do the work and discover stuff by themselves. But in this situation, your life's in danger. So I'm going to put yeah. the cards on the table. But she's always aggressive when it comes to the mother-son issues. I mean, because, I mean, what does a therapist want to do? They want to deal with the, mo the mommy-son issues. Yeah. I mean, I have mommy issues. I have lots of mommy issues. Um, so I get it. And it's juicy shit. My whole <laughs> life has still been unfolding since I was seven years old till today with my mommy issues. You know? Always. So oh, it totally God, makes you sense. You saying that? You saying that just puts the pressure. So, like, you think about being a mother to your own kids. And oh. that pressure and what we're doing to fuck them up. Oh, I sorry, feel like I'm not swearing. fucking them up all day not long. you swearing. I feel like oh. I'm messing them up. I'm not going to swear. I feel like I'm messing them up all day, every day. I think every parent feels that. Listen, we do the best we can do. Back to the scene. Tony was brilliant in this, in the slow burn. And then he explodes because she hit a major nerve. Oh, wait so. a second. Hold on. Hold on one second. Hold on. Um, Where are you because going? His... The way he's rattling in that scene is so crazy. Hold on, one minute. Oh, oh my God. Where'd you go? Dre, come back. Jen, come oh here one second. Oh my God. Hold on, hold oh on, hold on, hold on. Okay, um, we get it. The way Ginger? he acts, yeah, because no one <gasps> oh, knows who Ginger good. is. Yes. And I feel like I talk about her all the time. You you almost think I'm totally Bring idiotic and annoying. And you're like, who the fuck is Ginger? So wait, here's Ginger. I, I know who, I know wait, who Ginger is, but Ginger. I would love to hear... Her oh, synopsis. Can't hear. Hold on, hold on. She how... needs a. She needs a Hi, headphone. Ginger. I want to. I on. would love to hear. Get get her hooked up. Yeah. I want to hear your synopsis, Ginger, and how uh, Tony prepares. Well, hold for on. Let me freezing. let me introduce this bitch first. <laughs> oh shit! Shit! You go. Let me do introduce it. Do it. This is Gigi. Shit. This is Ginger Gonzalez. Can we see your ring? See, Aww. see our rings. Yes. Can yes. you see them? You guys, you guys are like superheroes. You guys are like superheroes. Super so here. this ginger, we I mentioned her way too much on the show. So I feel like you should all have a face and a voice <laughs> yeah, to yeah. the person. I'm only keeping her here for two seconds um, because we're going to really interview her when she actually comes back on the show in season four. She's not on the show. This is the PA who dealt with all of us. She's not a PA anymore. This is when she was a kid. Remember, we're, we're 100 oh. years older now. <laughs> she Grace, was Grace. Tony Soprano's, uh, James Gandolfini's right-hand man. She's got all the stories oh, on the inside. Ginger. But a lot of the stories she absolutely can't tell. And I won't pressure oh, her to tell any of the stories that of our lives on set. And <laughs> forget about on set, off set, like when the day would okay. be over. Dre, can you leave the room? I need to talk to Ginger. <laughs> anyway, go ahead, go ahead, sir. I'm only bringing you in for one tiny thing. Because yes. you used to watch Jim prepare for his scenes. Yes. Because she would have to walk him to and from set. He'd be in his way. Like, everybody is a different... Every actor has a different way of handling, like, you know... You can... Like, what was I like when I would, when I would have to prepare for a scene? It, well, from what I remember, you... If you... Especially if you had, like, an intense scene, she yeah. would just, like, put her director's chair, like, off in a corner. She'd have her headphones on. And she just kind of stayed quiet. And I just made sure that I was always within eyesight, but kept people away from her and just stood away, you know, stood far enough yeah. away, but close enough that if you needed anything, I was right there. Was she Some nervous? Like, Did she get real nervous? Yes. Yeah. 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 She got quiet. And I would, if I, if I had like a big, like, which a is unusual scene. for her to be quiet. <laughs> Tell Chris. me about it. Tell me about it. <laughs> Chris. 
You and I could have a chat about her I mean, not well, being way, quiet. He, Dre has to leave the room at some point. <laughs> I'm gonna, I think I'm yes. gonna clip your nipples in here. Hold on yeah. a minute. <laughs> um, I'm anyway, this. I called her in because there's a couple of scenes in this in this in this show in this particular episode where Jim is really oh yeah he's intense um, well this is it, this is it right in the office well you see him in this his seat and he's doing this he's for people who aren't watching he's, he's moving back and forth you, you see could him see building it. you could see his feet yeah. moving yeah. and i remember thinking hmm i wonder if he if he's doing the thing that ginger told me he used to do <laughs> what ginger, is that, ginger what did <laughs> he, he what did what, what? he would Tell sometimes us. And I feel like a lot of this stuff has been said in the press before, so I'm, I'm I feel comfortable saying it, because um, she knows how I am. Um, no, know. she won't talk shit to anybody. Yeah, but he would, especially in particular, like some of the Melfi scenes when they were intense. Like I would set up his little station right outside the doors, and it was like black <laughs> coffee, Coca Cola, pack of cigarettes. He would put um, little pebbles in his shoes to make him more uncomfortable. And like upset because it was painful, and he would just kind of, you know, he would get going. Oh my God, like he would, that's pretty yeah. amazing. Love the I fucking would, rocks yeah. in the shoes, dude. Yeah. I he love would the rocks in the put shoes. Rocks in his shoes mm-hmm. so that he would yeah. re- it would remind his senses to yeah. be, really be elevated. Yeah, wow. it was like you know, I think it was a number of things. It was just the the pain, the discomfort, all of it. You know, just yeah. Do you know why I didn't so have to good. put rocks in my shoes? <laughs> Why? Because I was always wearing high heels. Oh, well, God. okay. Also, women were like, women are always uncomfortable. We're well, always uncomfortable in I, our high I heels. I feel like Christopher was like giving you pain, like he was dragging you by your hair or by your shirt or slapping you. Like you dealt not with a lot of stuff. That you... No, not season. Okay, well, I was I'm just ahead of myself. We still innocent love in season. Yeah, one. we still love each other very <laughs> much. Till <laughs> David, till David Chase really discovers who he wants Adriana to become. All right. So Ginger, Ginger, you came on in season four. Season four, yeah. But again, and we always were... thought she was there the whole time. Yeah, well, it's weird. It, it's funny because everybody, all these guys, are always like, "Wait, what? You you didn't start till season four? And I'm like, "Yeah, it wasn't until season four. And and I did four or five, and then I left for season six with you when you I came out her. to do. I yeah, she her. stole me to come do Joey, and then I went back for six six B. Uh, the and, last season, and, Jim, and I negotiated like, her paycheck for that one. Yeah, of course I was did. like, the producers have to talk to me. I'm going to tell them how much you're really getting paid here, yeah. which you weren't even getting paid that much. But yeah. I lied and yeah. said she's getting paid so much money yeah. here. You guys have to match this. Yeah. So she was the highest uh, paid PA in New York City at the time. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> Ginger, tell me, was yeah. he? Can you, James Gandolfini? Was he just an amazing guy? Like, what? Obviously, he, I, I. What was his deal? Like, I mean, what was he his was, vibe? I don't know if I'm going to let her talk right now about it. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, because I think, he was I think amazing. we should have a separate he interview of, with her where she talks about stuff. Can we just a little bit? So, so I, I just her, wanted her teaser. to talk about the pebbles in the shoes, and I just wanted everyone to see a face <laughs> that matches the, the person okay. that I talk about in every episode. All right. I love you. Okay. Talk to you guys later. Thanks, Jen. All right. So let's get right back. That was nice. Now, everybody knows I who Ginger is. Now, I love that. Now, where are we? That scene with with Melfi and um, they talk about they talk about borderline personality disorder. I can't say that I know very much about it in depth, but I feel as though I have known people 
in my life who have played that part that have that have had those traits i also have a hard time with big labels thrown across human beings because a lot of things are clinical yes chemical imbalances and so forth and stuff like that a lot of stuff i I believe can be healed through you know your stomach and your liver and lots of things like this but of course we know that i am one of these homeopathic holistic freaks but um i do think that certain um disorders are 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 a configuration of of people's past and where they come from um Mm -hmm. a lot of them are not a lot of them are just you know people are born with certain disorders and i understand that um but i do think that in this case with livia it's circumstantial it's the life that she came from there's no black and white i mean she didn't just she wasn't just born an evil spirit or maybe she was there are no, bad scenes, it's all, obviously it's all from somewhere um, yeah but you see how tony soprano struggles with his humanity versus his murderous rage um throughout the entire series am i a good person am i a good friend and you know he questions these things all the time um but borderline borderline um personality she defines as Intense anxiety, joylessness, um, and these people's internal phobias Mm -hmm. are the only things that exist to them. And I have been around people whose internal phobias are the only things that matter. I don't know if you've ever been in a room with a person who absolutely, you could be in an argument with somebody who just doesn't hear your side of the story, no matter what. You can, you can write it in crayons. You can write Mm -hmm. it on a chalkboard. You can spell it out 50,000 different ways. You could act it out like a game of charades. They're still not that you can leave and you can tell them you're never going to be friends with them again, or they still will never, ever hear it. Their sense of self is so threatened that their internal phobia and their internal issues are the only things that make sense. Um, so everything else becomes a blur. So Olivia is like that. Everything Her external world is a fucking blur for sure, 100%. I mean, I definitely think she's... She's um, slightly more psychopath than just a um, a borderline yeah, disorder absolutely. because, I mean, the fact that she would just have her own son killed. And then he says to her, Tony jumps on her. Ginger was explaining how, and I could tell, I think he had those fucking pebbles in his shoes. Um, you Ooh. twisted fucking bitch. He See, flips over the coffee table. You yeah. and I. And if you're lucky, I don't, you're lucky I don't break your face into 50,000 pieces. That's, I mean, he's gotten violent with her before, but never, never like this. fucking bitch. That's my mother we're talking about. Yeah. But we're talking, the twisted fucking bitch is Livia Soprano. And I this know. is how, how, how narcissists and psychopaths twist what's actually happening because they're usually in denial. So now the question is here, you are seeing evidence that Tony Soprano, is he himself showing signs of narcissism and being a psychopath and being borderline and not, not necessarily borderline, but it's denial. All of these, 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 um, these disorders have a lot to do with denial of a certain kind when people really can't examine themselves and look at themselves. But like I said, Tony Soprano is so in touch with himself, but it takes him a minute. It takes him a minute with his therapist and whatever the fuck. I mean, Anyway, I mean, so no, seems... nobody nobody really wants to hear or deal with. I mean, I can't fathom. <laughs> Most people no. cannot. But their mother putting a hit on you, and and your shrink who you respect and you go to for guidance, basically, you know, co-signing that that notion. 
So, and then he threatens her and she gets scared and, store, and uh, yeah, he I mean, locks the door. And all, she locks the door. All she talks about, all Livia talks about is filicide and the killing of, of children, parents killing their own children. It's strange that someone as evolved as Tony can't see that, but who... Whoever believes that your mother would kill you. Because no. us as the audience, we don't necessarily 100% believe that she's put a hit on her own son either. Like, we're still sort of like, did she, it's, did she not? Like, what, it's unfathomable what is the for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's anyway, so we'll get back to that again because this, this whole thing revisits over and over again throughout this episode. So now we're at lunch at the Nuovo we're Vesuvio. Another yes. episode where... Uh, They're discussing um, Ajita. Carmen Rosalie um, are discussing. Uh, Rosalie saying that Ajita killed her husband. <laughs> the Ajita of the business of La Cosa yeah. Nostra. Yeah, Carmela and Rosalie. Who you know, I have to get Sharon. She'll come on the show. She's one of my favorites. She's a real broad. Um, I love it. I love it. Oh, this scene! I have something. I have something juicy for this scene. What? Tell me. Do tell. Um, well, first of all, we have little things like the bug in Carm salad, you know, sorry about the bug in your salad, yeah, Ooh, the yeah. bug, of course, like, yeah. why wasn't it a hair? Why did they choose a bug? Yeah. Um, but this is, uh, okay. Remember how earlier in the episode I mentioned that I've been reading about the five families and preparing for a guest that we're excited about. Yes. In my in my research, I came across a bunch of... I've also been researching also because I'm trying to understand where my grandfather fit into a lot of this stuff because it was it's still all kind of um, new to me still, even though it's not. But um, Father Phil comes into the restaurant mm-hmm. and they the first thing they say to him is he's here with Della Croce's certificate. Della Croce. In my research lately, and it just, it wasn't even like somebody I was researching, but there was a mobster called Agnello Della Croce. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to love, you're, you're going to love this, Chris. And so are you, Margo, our producer in the background. Um, when I heard them say it in the episode, I was like, wait a minute, am I crazy? Am I reaching too far? And I rewound it and I looked up Della Croce again, just to make sure that I remembered what I had read a few days ago. Um, Agnello Della Croce was part of the Mangano crime family, which then became the Gambino crime family. He became um, Gambino's mentor. When he was a young man, he would, before he'd gotten to the mafia, I think that when he was more of like a street guy, mm-hmm. they used to call him Agnello, which is A-N-I-E-L-L-O. So Neil, if you're going to extract the American version of that name, Neil, uh-huh. Neil was his nickname. They used to call him Father O'Neill. And he used to fucking disguise himself as a priest <gasps> and rob people, yeah. allegedly. Yeah. And uh-huh. he even allegedly murdered someone. Allegedly. In a, in a priest's, in a priest's, um, I was going to say a habit, like a fucking nurse, like a nurse, mm-hmm. um, dressed, dressed as a priest. And he would do that often when he was young. To confuse mobsters and police on the street. I mean, he was really a fucking bad motherfucker. Uh, yeah. um, but he would dress as a priest. So now, well, he says this on Della Croce's gift certificate for the restaurant, right? I definitely think oh my God. that that is There's a reference. Such a that is a definite yes. rela- that's a reference from the writers, 100%. 
Um, but you later on, that's you a good one. It. Yeah, I know. When Carmela gets at him, this is a wolf in sheep's clothing. Absolutely, he just he's, has pre- he's the veil on. of purity over him, and it's all it's bullshit. He's it's a bullshit. He's liar. preying on we could all talk about these women. Later. I mean, yeah, he's preying on all these women. But it's yep. it, but what I felt thought this scene was so interesting that the jealousy that came from Carm, right? She was when the watch. She realized that uh, Rosalie gave, which is weird. Why did she give the priest and why would he accept a man who's died, who actually did all these sinful things and now he's wearing his watch? A little weird. His time, his time's ticking too. Yeah. He's a fucking liar. He's the, yeah, he's he, one of the bigger liars here. So we'll get back to him again. But uh, well, yeah, right, then he, we took, an, to, he uh, took an oath. Wait, he took an oath and his oath is to God. And look, I mean, yep. what bigger oath than that versus the Amerta? Yes. Amerta. Um, yes. But yeah, is, this, this is, is back to the Isabel episode and what Isabel means, the oath to God. And then we smash cut to to the to the man walking in the alley and you see jimmy's body but i have oh, a little was, piece of soprano okay, trivia there oh wait where were you no i was oh, you just gonna get the into the i was gonna i just yeah i was gonna get into jealousy oh jealousy ask you some oh questions. let's talk about jealousy i don't Keep know me on track. what are you what was I, just I thinking to, <laughs> i just wanted let's to talk relate. about jealousy I, I wanted to ask you if you had any crazy stories i mean are you a, what, what's up you a jealous person or what I relationships say, like are you the carm or car carmella i have a lot of girlfriends that are jealous of each other like with girlfriends within girlfriend jealousy like your friends yeah. with her i feel left out blah blah blah, blah. that happens often i'm not one of those girls i never i never get into that but with my man and another woman i've been cheated on um definitely a few times so i will I can have jealousy, but I think that um, I think that anybody who's been listening to this episode long enough realizes that I love women so much that I think that I can feel threatened by a woman that I'm attracted to myself. What do you mean? (laughs) I'm so confused. I How could, are you um, feeling? Th- are you are you feeling competitive? You said you're not competitive with other friends, and I know that about you. No, you're I mean with like, a boyfriend. Like if it's a boyfriend situation, oh uh, yeah. Um, and if I find something attractive in a certain woman, I'll look at my boyfriend and be like, "Oh, because you-, you know that if you find it attractive, he's going to." And you're like, "Huh?" But that's usually not the case because I find women attractive for different reasons, and a lot of men find women attractive. Yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. Um. So yes, I'm, I will question that. I also come from a, a world where men cheated on women often in that Italian, all the time. yeah, and you know, but with the mafia family, my mom, and these are like the stories that I've been told growing up. So I, I feel like jealousy. Know. Well, for me personally, it's a young, it's it's a thing of it's a young thing. I don't know. I've grown out of it. I mean, the last time I could ever meant when I felt that whole rage of jealousy is when I first got married and Dave went on tour and he was playing stadiums and bitches were, whoosh. I was like, oh my God, he's going on tour without me. And he has a sta- stadium filled of women. And I'd be like, so how many tits did you see tonight? 
you know, in front row, like they're all. Yeah, that know, stuff like, doesn't make me jealous. I think also oh, being, me, I was. being with so many musicians and knowing that they've always been on the road and I don't care how many bitches are on the bus pull, taking their shirts off. I used to be guilty of bringing the girls on the bus oh. and taking their shirts <laughs> off for everybody. But, so I was, I was, you know, I, I was a, like a, Marco, I was, oh my God. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we had a lot of fun. I'm not going to lie. We had a lot well, of fun. There's some anyways, like Guns um, N' Roses stories from like the band where they would have guys specifically picking out chicks for people. So for me. Oh, yeah. But I was um, that, that guy. Well, I know. But for me, when I'm a wife and I just got married, I'm only 30 years old. And there's times oh, and would, when, I'm yeah. not on, when I'm not on tour with my husband, I'm like, who's picking out chicks for you? You know, like what's happening? Like, are you, So, yes, that's when the jealousy and for me the last time but, but those are like, the those the, those were the girls like even the kumades like yeah totally i the think body. the um and this is why carmela got so jealous about melfi and why carmela is jealous of sharon of, of of rosalie this is not a sexual relationship this is a soulful um yeah. more emotional it's an emotional relationship. So this is where her jealousy sets in. You could see she's not very jealous of him, you know, smelling like another girl, but she is jealous that he's confiding in, in Melfi. Um, and now he, she feels as though the person she confides in is probably also, but what, did, well, I don't know why she would think anything else. I mean, he's probably sits behind a confessional half the time, but there's something tied in with the food and no, the um, watches the gifts everything being taken care of and just the way that they I'll, hold hands yeah and i'll be honest with you though what? after this episode uh-huh. i'm jumping ahead i know that there's the sexual tension thing with he and carmela and he and rosalie and the way he looks at the women and everything and carmela even references it later in that scene where you know you like the whiff of sexuality sexuality mm-hmm. the way he and Artie Bucco are in that church and the way Father Phil is staring at him. No. <laughs> yes, you're going there. Okay. I'm going there. There, I, really? was, I rewound it. I was like, oh. oh. So this is another person who cooks for you. Another person whose food you love. You are looking at him like he is a fucking osobuco right now. He looked yes. like he wanted to smother him in kisses. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. And trying no, to convince him to do the right thing. Tell the truth. Meanwhile, this fucking guy probably wants to sleep with Artie Buco and Carmela and, and Sharon Carm. Angela in a fucking giant sandbox filled with ziti, a matriciana. <laughs> in, confe- in the confessional. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Anyway, okay. I, I anyway, was totally okay. jumping ahead. So, jealousy, we did that. Okay. Man, uh, we find Jimmy in the alley with the rat stuffed yeah, in his mouth. I have a piece of trivia here. The um, the man walking in the alley holding the cases, there must be in the back of a nightclub. Yeah. Um, and Jimmy was, was head of props on the show. He was one of the, the prop masters on our show. Um, but Pete Bucosi, our stunt guy, he was the guy that, that did all our stunts for us and taught us how to do our stunt, taught us how to do oh. our stunts. He's holding the stuff. Oh. So they didn't cast somebody. They just had our stunt guy carry the, the thing. Yeah. So that was Pete Bucosi and, um, 
and 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 Joey Bottoluco, who's Jimmy Altieri, who were both crew members on our show. So I like that little moment you, there. You guys are you guys are big about uh, like promoting from within. Let's say that the Sopranos promoting from within. Yeah. Like you're bringing, like your your stunt guy is now an actor. The um, one of the capos was also your like production, right? Yeah, we that we definitely cast several times different people from the show. Yeah. So you go from you go from a rat. You see Jimmy's in a dumpster in the back of this thing. You know he's a rat. He's got a rat stuffed in his mouth, and then bang, smash cut to Tony. Mm. And the boys in that basement. So you go from a, you know, a dumpster, an alleyway, and now you're in this fucking basement, which is like, what was the choice for that? Like, why, what were, why were they, why did they pick that? Why didn't they pick an office of some kind or some other covert place that they could have had this meeting, but they picked this, this basement that's clearly a mess. Um, Mm -hmm. So what does a basement sort of symbolize is, you know, the, the under... The secrets. underbelly mm-hmm. of, yeah, secrets, things buried. Um, and then you have these, you know, these government, these trustworthy FBI, the, the people that are that are here to protect and serve are bringing him into this basement to basically um, destroy his manhood completely. Well, this and, is um, where he's faced with ultimate betrayal. Yeah. The truth of all that. Um for me, this the way this scene flips is unbelievable. Like the way they're just like going at each other, the sarcasm, the quick wit, and then how it turns and how Tony plays this is just unbelievable. Yeah, well, you also you get those angles on him, which are new camera yeah. angles. I mean, the, you they actually always use that angle where, where you get really close into his face when you know he's really going through something and it's always like you're seeing a new side of Tony, but that's could be me reading into things too much. Um, but the camera, a couple they, of things. I was just going to say the yeah. shot of where well, they kept on sh- showing agent Harris, agent Harris, Matt Servito, love him by the way. And he was very sad. I know those shots is maybe he was, he just did. He wasn't down with the way this was that, that no. they were handling it, that they he, were, I, I, mean, I they would were deal finding- with Matt Servito later. Oh, they were he's my FBI. My, he's my main FBI agent later on. Oh, so he is. Okay. He was. He was the gentle, the gentler of of the. Then there's Agent Grasso, who he, you know, he even references it in the episode where he puts his hands up. He's showing a wide open asshole. Yeah, because he says that. I don't know about. But I love that right. layering that they have a guy like that on the other side that actually feels for Tony, realizes this is not cool the way that they are delivering this information and finding you know, such happiness in delivering this, this information to Tony, who he's got a little bit of a soft spot for, I guess. Yeah. Frank Cubitoso, which is the first Mm -hmm. time we're seeing him, who's played by, who is played by my friend, who's not with us anymore. Frank Pellegrino. Um, I could give you a little tiny bit of trivia on Frank, on Frank Pellegrino. This is off Mm -hmm. story, but of course we, we like to go off story. (laughs) Frank Pellegrino inherited Rayo's. Um, I could be wrong about whether or not he inherited it, but Rayo's is a famous Italian restaurant in New York City that was known for its mob mobsters um, being there all the time. I've told a story about it before, about when I was young and crawling around on the floor and seeing all the guns strapped under the tables. Just snorter, snorter. 
Yes, a snorker. <laughs> people snorker. Yes, people loved yes. that shit. <laughs> I was sniffing. I was sniffing the fucking red leather seats at oh Rayo's because the because the men were all big, like the men in my family. And I thought mm, these motherfuckers have stinky buttholes, and I'm not sitting Ew. in this chair if this oh. chair smells like ass. I'm not sitting here. So I would walk around <laughs> sniffing. Anyway, I've told the story before. The bigger story here is that Frankie Pellegrino took over Rayo's, but when he was young and my dad was young and they all used to hang out there, Frankie Pellegrino came to my dad and said, can you lend me money? He wanted to start a music career. So my father lent him $3,000 to record a demo um, back in the, I don't know, 50s, 60s, whatever, whenever those days were. Um, uh -huh. Frankie would never pay my dad back. I don't know whatever happened with his music career, but years later, my dad was happy to see Frankie at Rayo's when suddenly Rayo's has become a place where only Woody Allen can get a reservation. So my dad was like, God, I haven't been there in forever. I can't believe Frankie's on the show with you. Um, because Frankie told him, I know your parents and told me, I know your parents. I went home and I said to my parents, do you know Frankie Pellegrino? This would happen with a lot of the actors actually on the show that had a slight connection to the mob or a slight connection to the That's theater because so of weird. my mother. Yeah, I, I know. Remember. So, so when I told my dad, do you want to go to Rayo's again? He's like, I would love to. I don't think I can get a reservation there anymore. It's different now. And Aww. I said, now I can get you a reservation. Oh, so How good did that feel for you, right? I Aww. know. So we went a lot and we hung out with Frankie and, you know, we, it would be like old times again. Anyway. Let's move on um, to that that whole... Um... Rayo's, by the way, just in case anybody wants to know, any of our listeners, the best sauce. And you can get it wherever. We're not doing oh, it. True. We're not doing it. They're not our sponsor, but they have great pasta sauce. No, anyway. I will say that of all of the pasta sauces out there in the world, though, it's it, the one sauce I tell my ex to buy because he can't make our sauce. So yeah. I say buy Rayo's. If you have to doctor it, just put some out, just put more garlic in it. But that's my go-to if I have to Me. tell people how to feed my kids when I'm not there. And that's not a sponsor. We just love them. And we love the that's sponsors true. too. Okay. Anyway, Green Wait, Grove. No, 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 no. Hold on. There's something important Green here. Green Grove. Just hold Go. on. There's something I'm important in this, in this scene that yes. I think is weird. Um, when they play the tapes, when he plays the tapes, Every one of those 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 conversations, none of them are in the be in Livia's bedroom at Green Grove. One is in the in the hall at Green Grove. Okay, so maybe they wired the entire Green Grove. That's a possibility. I think but they wired weird... her. You think that? Okay, well then that would make sense because listen to this. Yeah. There's that ep there's that scene in the episode. Where they're at the movie theater and in Isabella, where the wind is blowing nonstop, yes. the unsettling. The matinee. Air. They're in the matinee. Uh huh. They're online. a very strange, very strange scene. It seems, you know, and and even Chris, when, when Chicken, when we talked to him about it, it seemed like it was a, like a last minute sort of scene. It's a strange scene, um, and I feel like it might be an old, a reference to an old film that I'm I'm missing the the reference at the moment. Yeah. But mm -hmm. the unsettling wind. The conversation where they're both uncomfortable, we talk about it in last week's episode, um, that scene is outdoors. That's not a green grove. How the fuck did they get that piece of information it, on tape? I think that they put Hold it on. in one of her... You think she's wired? Yes. 
She's gotta okay. be. What, how else are that? It's in her purse. It's either in her like coat that you know how she always wears that like all the old or Italian like ladies wear the like the the house the house coat. Yeah, house coat. Um, I don't know. Also, thinking about how loud that wind was, and now there's no wind sound on these recordings either. Well, it is TV. I, I mean, I'm Come I'm on. just saying. I think I it's mean. weird. I <laughs> it think it's weird. fucking weird. Um, and then she's talking about Kiki when she comes to the house and the police come. Um, mm-hmm. And then he says another little another little thing um, was. He says, yeah, the Springs, he goes, I'm going to play with these tapes. And he goes, I already got it. The Springsteen box set. Um, and then at the end of this episode, they play State Trooper. Springsteen. Um, the to boss. End, to close to close this to close this um, to close the whole season, actually. And it's all based on those tapes at the end. Mm-hmm. It's all been leading up to those tapes. So anyway, to make matters worse. He's Springsteen is the other Jersey boss. Yeah, we got two bosses, two Jersey bosses. Yes. So. Um, so anyway, it's the deepest betrayal, but she gets away with it because of the dementia. But she gets away with the dementia. And then the next scene, it cuts right to what? To, to Artie visiting Livia. Yeah, so she's going to put the yeah. nail in the coffin because she's like, I didn't fucking succeed. So now yeah. I'm going to fucking finish this. I'm going to finish I mean, my son right here, right well, now. How could you possibly have so much animosity for someone that you came out of your own body? I just, I don't understand it. I, I don't, Deep I don't get anxiety when people, and hatred for herself. I mean, knock on wood, I don't have a family that, well, my dad, he doesn't speak to his side of the family there's there's definitely something there and for the life of me growing up and even into my adulthood now it's hard it's hard for me to wrap my head around that you know have you ever had people hate you and you haven't done anything wrong to them like oh you my know, god you've done nothing yes. but try to love them because yes. i definitely lived the last few years of my life that you've known me feeling that way about certain people i know i know <laughs> i know so i know what that feels like you're just like well, what the fuck you know like what but there's nothing, now there's you know, no, no but, amount of love can, can, can soothe somebody, you because know, now you, people. But, you know, but now, you know, that had nothing to do with you and everything to do with the other person. But right? you're always blaming yourself and always trying to figure it out. Like Tony Soprano, you're always like, yeah. what, what did I do? How can I be better? What can I do that's better? Can I bring this CD player? Can I bring this, the Mario Lanza um, music? Can I bring Sfuyadel? Can I bring past- whatever, any kind of. You're always, and obviously it relates to food and the Sopranos, but. But it's also funny, those people who react that way, we've all dealt with in our lives. It's like you almost go above and beyond for them, more so than everybody else, because you're trying to like break that, whatever that barrier is, whatever they're holding against you. When, and then you realize once you but finally. But you're also trying free, to be okay with yourself. Yeah, but once you're finally free of it is when you have the hindsight is 2020 and you realize it really had nothing to do with you. And that's, it's such a hard thing to grasp um, and let go of. It's a hard thing to grasp and you can let go of it, but those things become, um, they become like emblazoned in your soul. It's like a, it's like a stamp, you know, it's like a scar and it takes a long time. Like you may know it intellectually, like he knows intellectually that his mother is fucking twisted, but, but that little boy, you know, how do you tell that little boy inside him that that's, this is the mother who, you know, this, this was your, this was your mother. Like it's, 
It doesn't well, help I'm, carry you through your life. That's why you have subconscious issues like panic attacks. You don't know why you're having a fucking panic well, attack. Just trigger. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump ahead for a second because I feel like this relates. And I, I have done this. When you feel when you're on the other end of that receiving end of that, you always go to like, what I do wrong? Like, What's wrong with me? And you start looking. And I think that Tony does that with Carm in the bedroom. Like, what? you know, how, what kind of person am I for people to react to me like this? And we've all had- He he said, uh, what what kind of person can I be from that his own mother wants to kill? And how how could you not feel like a heart like that? How could you not feel? I mean, I felt that way with, with, when I've been wronged by people that weren't my mother or, you know, or or father for that matter. I mean, I felt that way just my mom being neglectful when I was a kid, um, and not for any, you know, evil reasons, she was trying to better her own life, but, and her reasons were justified and things that I forgave big time. And it's, but as much as I forgave it, it was still a scar that I'd have to now work on in my other relationships for the rest of my life. And that's Tony Soprano. Well, you always feel like can relate to Tony Soprano. You're like, why am I not, why am I not good enough for this person to treat me right? Why am I not being treated? Especially a mother. In a certain way. Oh, I can't. A mother. Can you imagine? So. No, I can't. That's, it's, and then then, my heart went out to Tony during this whole episode. Well, this scene, this scene really, you really fucking hate her after this scene. Where she, where where Artie goes to Green Grove. Because she's like, I didn't succeed the first time. And now I have to go as far as I can. As far as I can. Exactly what the borderline, uh, the borderline disorder is, returning people against each other and again, you know, all of these sort of Machiavellian, all of this sort of. Artie's face, man. When, when she tells him the look of shock on his face, he's like, what are you saying? I don't, um, and she's like, you don't blame him for setting the fire. At first when she was like walking and AJ caught her walking outside the house. I, I do believe there's some sort of Alzheimer's or dementia, but this scene, hell no. I think she goes in and out of it, and she's also trying to get Tony. She's trying to get him. Well, you hear how when she says Tony's friend, oh yeah, my son, that one or something. That she one. says, um, just complete hatred towards him. Um, and then uh, there's also a little foreshadowing there. Of course, what kind of pasta does he bring her? What I don't remember. What's the sauce on the pasta? I don't know. A I don't duck, remember. A duck ragu. Oh, yeah. Back it's to the like, duck. It's like she's about to eat her fucking castrating pasta. Like she has yeah. to castrate him completely in the oh, scene. I didn't so even think of that. Of course, there's going to be a mention of a duck. Because of first course. of all, you have an Italian guy bringing food over to a little Italian lady with gavadil. Um, the sauce that usually is going to accompany that is not usually going to be a fucking duck ragu. No, it's gonna. That was no, on purpose. That's definitely that was, that a very. Was, that was Tony's ducks going downhill. <laughs> that his whole family unit and what he wanted it to be in season one, episode one, this, and those ducks and his, you know, try it down, done. There's she a lot of mentions that. of ducks in this episode, yeah. actually. Um, so but yeah, the duck ragu. Oh my god, I, I'm I'm actually hungry, and that sounds good. But anyway, even though I don't eat duck ragu. Um, I'm so hungry right now. I haven't eaten yet today. Um, at the Bada Bing, Tony tells Polly, Sill, and Chris that they were 100% that Junior's the one who put the hit out on him. 
so matter of fact, these guys, like it's just another day at the office taking care of business. Yeah, he's even though Tony's unraveling in certain areas, he's uh -huh. very he's got it together for his business side. Like he's not going yeah. to let these things um tear him up. So and he does say something in that scene. You know, it's a short scene. Yeah. Um, they're putting plans in motion, and then they say, How do you feel? And he goes, My ear My hurts. My ear hurts. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, that's in reference to the fact that his mother tried to have him killed and he what he just heard probably has you know it symbolically hurts his ears yeah. it, he, his, it the whole thing is related to having heard all of these things coming out of someone's mouth it's just too much crippling information in his head and he can't deal with it but he's yeah. he, you're right he is holding it together as far as the the mafia business end of of his family um then he goes it cuts to tony and carm in their bedroom i love this scene I, it made I me too. feel it made me feel good for Tony that he, the honesty and his being vulnerable with her. I just, and her being, she's accepting and she's supportive. I, I like this for yeah. them. It she made said, me feel. And that's where he says, uh, you know, what kind of person could I be where his mother wants him dead? And she said, um, that woman is a peculiar duck. Always has been. <laughs> Always the duck. Fucking, we got Always a duck again. Um, and then um, Tony says, cunnilingus and psychiatry brought us to this. Back to Boca with the mouse. Psychiatry, yeah. and talking. The rat, mouth, and the rat. everything. Yep. Everything is a continued theme here. And that so, sad moment where he says, I'll take care of my uncle and I'll take care of Mikey P. And I'll get some satisfaction. But inside, I'll know. That's sad. That's that a sad, sad fucking moment, but there is right where he makes Carmela a complete accomplice. Um, I know, I know. I realized that too when I was watching. I was like, oh God. He but does it with Melfi too. When he tells her to escape and he says, I'll take I care mean, of it. Don't you? How could yeah. he not? How could he not though, right? I don't know how you maneuver around that. Carm thinks that the Alzheimer's Act is, is completely bullshit, basically. Of course. Yeah. So crazy. Yeah. All right. Chris, what yes. just happened? We had an interlude. We did. Everything <laughs> broke down. Let's tell our I fans mean, what just happened. My computer just like literally went dead in the middle of our episode. You were talking and my computer was like, nope, shutting my ears down. Dead. Do you know why I'm so happy that your computer went dead? Because you were stuffing your face when it went I, down. Ginger <laughs> made me a BLT and I got to have her famous BLT. And I just shoved the whole thing down my throat as fast as I could. And now I'm going to put my lipstick on. So you're welcome. So you're welcome mm -hmm. for that. Thank you. For my computer. Being. Where were we? Um, we were talking about, uh, we were in the bedroom with Carm and Tony. And he's telling her he's making her an accessory to this crime that he's planning. Oh, I love, yeah, I love that scene. You really feel that they're, that they're um, a united front. Yeah. yeah, but he does make her an accomplice. We already talked about that. So then we, we were moving on to the marina, right? So now you know this is well, after he talks well, to his wife, who's she's kind well, of his consigliere. Huh? Wait, huh? I was going to ask about any, I mean, maybe we shouldn't go here, but I was going to oh, ask how you, how like you, you're, you know, how you deal with in-laws and what that's been like, because you have 
Maybe we should. I have two failed relationships. (laughs) No, let's hold on. Not two. Let's go through all of them. No, 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 please. (laughs) God, no. I had one in-law. I've never had issues with in-laws. I always get along with them. But I had one that really didn't fucking like me. And she went for my jugular at one point. Um, People can guess. People can fucking guess. Okay. Um, Not a very supportive person. Dave's, yeah. my husband's Anyways. mother, she wasn't either. I mean, she, I can definitely relate to the whole Livia. That's aspect of this because she would do some crazy shit to Dave and I, like she felt she was losing her son, Latino mm-hmm. mom. I've been only, through that. Only child. He, Dave was only child. She felt that she was losing him. The band was starting his other family. Me, I just got married to him and she would do some up shit to us like stop talking to us for no reason right right before our wedding like was just like I'm just not talking to you people like Dave's like you're my mother um but she ended up having brain cancer and so when we had found that out a few years later we're like how much of it was the sickness and brain cancer and how much of it was her really being manipulative and like fucking with us like we didn't know but what do you do? And then the guilt of, oh, of yeah. oh my God, she's got brain cancer. Maybe that's why she was, I mean, Dave was like, he was engaged before. And this woman said, I have a gift for you. And I was like, oh, wonderful. What? She's like, it's something so near and dear to my heart. She gives me this book. And in this book are all these like poems to Dave's ex-girlfriend that Dave had songs that Dave had written. I'm like, um, thank you. I guess it's just weird shit, but I have similar things like that, that went on here with one of my exes with, with their mother and sending things that were inappropriate to my daughter's phone or to me. And it was very uncool behavior, sending um, wedding party favors here by accident, things like that. And it's just like, we're smart enough to know as women that women can be like that with other, especially the the daughter-in-law thing. So they know it's not getting by us. It's not like it's just fucking with us and trying to get in there. But it's all about learning a lesson. And I felt like she she's not with us anymore. She actually died, which we thought was brain cancer, but it actually was breast cancer that she never told anybody. But um, the lesson that I feel she gifted me was when you try to put a wedge in that relationship, the only thing it's going to do is just really separate the relationship of the mother and son. You know, yeah. I just feel like I, I, there's no, you, you're not going to push the other woman away. So me having a son, I'm just like, this is, this is exactly what I'm not going to do. Who knows who he's going to pick if I'm going to be happy or there's going to be times whether we love the person or not, that we're going to be losing Ugh. them. We're going to lose them as our no. babies. And that for me, Dave's mother, I could totally like, I get that. And she also, Dave was having this big career move at this second. So it was a lot for her going on, but her reaction was one of Livia, extremely manipulative, but it just, it separated the relationship. So, but then when we found out she had brain cancer, we're like, maybe that's why she was reacting. She would react to him the same way. Like just really weird, peculiar duck shit for sure. And we're like, maybe it was the brain cancer. And it fucks with you. You're like, oh my God. 
Yeah. So you don't, the same thing with Livia. Is it dementia? Is she just really that cruel and, and stupid? And, and tr- who knows? Like, and it, there's a guilt thing that goes with it anyway. So yes, I can relate to that. Um, God rest Dave's mother's soul, but um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is a mother that's trying to kill her own son. So this is even, this goes, this takes it all yeah. even 12 <laughs> steps Farther. I mean, I, had a, I, I was never married, so these are not, not mother-in-laws of mine. So when I say mother-in-law, um, I'm just referring to one of the many women um, that have been in the background of mine in my different relationships. But I had one that would, I remember she would be taking pictures. She would only, I would catch her when I would walk in the house, putting my pictures back up <laughs> See? For, for my visit. <laughs> oh my God. It's like, oh, so you don't keep those pictures out of me and your son on a regular? You just pull them out when we show up. That's fucking cruel. Okay. So you're a fucking big phony. Now I got to spend the whole week with you here. Fuck that. Okay, back into the, back into the Sopranos season finale. We right, are we're, we're out of that. We went, we digressed big time. Who cares? Who cares? Um, people like to hear us banter anyway. The, um, the Marina, the Chucky whacking. That's when the R.L. Burnside song kicks in. Here mm. we go. And this, I get excited for this scene. You because too? it's the big well because when they when that song kicks in uh-huh. it is the beginning of retribution now we are going to kill everybody yeah. that has wronged tony soprano so this is the beginning of it and you know he's got the gun inside the fish which is a reference obviously <laughs> for God, God. you know you're, you're gonna sleep with the fishes and um yeah that's it really i mean that's a quick that that moment just sort of kicks off the party that's about to start um, cause it, it is kind of a party. Um, yeah. even the next scene in Melfi's office where Tony comes and apologizes to her, um, the sense of humor is back. Even in this fucking really, um, upsetting scene, sad scene. Oh, it's not a really upsetting scene because he's not, he's not as worked up. He's kind of made his peace with it, but the humor is back. And yeah, the scene. This is where you really see Lorraine Bracco get to do Lorraine Bracco, by the way, because she even her. says in interviews that she had a hard time playing Melfi because you don't realize how hard it's going to be to Why? not have not be able to have reactions. She's animalistic. She's like mm-hmm. she's like me and Aida. Like we have a different way of um of going at stuff, and you just don't know where we're going to go. It's almost like I don't want to say we're not professional. But there's, I don't know how to explain it, but it's just that this like primal, visceral sort of, I this, I can only say this about myself. I'm not going to say this about anybody else because then they'll, they'll kill me. But sometimes I wondered if I could even act. A lot of it was just a feeling. Wow. Um, and you can see that with certain be. actors to a degree. Um, and sh- you get to see her, you get to see Lorraine doing, La- doing what Lorraine knows how to do, which was what she was famous for in Goodfellas when she mm-hmm. played Karen. Um, yeah. she's passionate, she's loud. She's, she can, she has, she has reactions to everything. Melfi has to sit there, you know, poker faced all the time. Mm-hmm. So you actually, and you see her sense of humor, even when she's, when, when she's freaking out, um, where she's like, Jesus fucking Christ. Or she goes booty. She means pussy. Like the whole, when she, yeah. when she said, when she doesn't know his name. Um, so I love uh, that part. And then she has her famous line that was always used in all of the, in all of the previews. Oh my God, people are going to get murdered, aren't they? Yeah. Um, 
And that's where you know she's an accomplice. He's, Don't you worry about those distractions, distractions, he says. Like, these are distractions, you know? Um, but yeah, then, so I love that scene for, for, for that reason. I think she's funny when she says Jesus fucking Christ, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you you feel her the whole booty thing, and she drops her scissors. She's no longer scared. Um, there's a, there's a certain sense of humor in this in this whole scene for me anyway. I mean, he's talking about fucking Jeannie Cusimani, Cusimano doggy style. Um, yeah, and then he says we've got bigger things to talk about than Jean Cusimano's ass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the humor's back, you when, know. But for me, it wrapped it all up. Like it could have been the end the end of the Sopranos when he was just like, you've been a good doc- doctor to me. Thank you. You know, yeah. and it was so sincere and it was just like, I'm, I'm sorry for all the bullshit I put you through type of thing. That was his, his thank you. That was his apology. That was everything. When he goes from wanting to break her face into 50,000 pieces to protecting her. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely the trait of, you know, I don't want to say it's like Livia because it's not. He has a different set of circumstances because Livia would never be protective. No. Um, but he genuinely wants to protect her. But this this is his personality disorder sort of – it's always fighting with itself. He's going to – he goes from the, being reactive and impulsive mm. in that moment, but he's not reactive and impulsive when it comes to the street. You know, he takes his time. He thinks about what his moves are going to be. But with the women, he's he, – you know, he, he just – pounced on her yeah um anyway so yeah i love this scene because i i think it's got a sense of humor and mm-hmm. then totally and then we go to the parking lot um with Artie, and he pulls out the shotgun <laughs> on tony oh he's unhinged <laughs> johnny v. I, love, I love him i, I love johnny him in this scene. he's fucking crying. He's crying and he's like trying to like, there's no way he would have ever shot Tony or could it? He just couldn't. In his station wagon, pulling out yeah. like a total fucking psychopath. Um, he, he beats up his own car. He didn't even beat yeah. up Tony's car lights. Like go smash Tony's car lights, which is probably parked right behind you. Go do that car. Well, it's also like a call. Like it, also that scene where he talks to, um, to Father Phil later on. Yeah. He has murderous rage for all men, he says. I know I'm jumping ahead, but, mm. um, and, and not, you know, not just one man, all men. All men. Uh, like, what is, I don't I don't know what he says. We'll get to it later. But um, he takes it out on himself. I mean, what does Tony yeah. Soprano do? He takes a lot of, you know, he his depression, all that sort of stuff. So, you know, Artie is definitely another another character who's who's having all these sort of feelings. But you, um, see, you see in this scene that they have a special relationship, those two. It's not like any of his other relationships. Like, he's definitely has a special place for Artie because he would have killed well, somebody pu- pulling a gun on him. Are you kidding me? Yes. I thought he was going to break and tell the truth. Did you? Well, he thought the FBI got to them. That's what yeah. he initially thought until he says, Livia... Um, your mother, he was like, my mother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then you see the strategy going through his mind there and how he's going to pivot to to talking about it with him. Um, and you see him manipulate. So, it, you know, yeah. Does he love his friend? Sure. Does he manipulate him? I think he has a realization right there in the point in, in the moment. Like, yeah, that was stupid. How stupid do you think I am? Yeah. Um, 
But really, was it stupid? I mean, I, I think that was not the, the worst idea for that scenario, but maybe he could have just told him. <laughs> maybe things would have been, maybe things could have been avoided had he just told Artie they're planning a fucking whack in your, in your oh, restaurant. Ar Why Artie not says, close it down? Well, Artie um, said that. Artie, so Artie said that in that scene. I remember him saying, you know, you were yeah. trying to save me and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I, there was a beat there. I just remember that there was a pause and I really was like, I thought Tony was going to be like, I tried to help you. And look, you got all the, you got all the insurance money. So you're good. You're okay now. Like, look at your new place. But he. Yeah, but no. No. Nope. I mean, he should have just, the, the, a lot of bullshit could always be avoided if you just come to the person with the problem and say, this is my problem. Yeah. Here's a problem. Junior's going to take a whack out in your, in your, in your place of business. You need to go on that trip of those tickets that I just gave you. Tell your fucking wife, figure it out. It's either Get that or your place is going to be scarred and, 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 and messed up forever. Blah, 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 blah. But then but he's no. an accomplice too, though. Just like you said about Karn. But then if it happens, Artie knows. So I mean, I but a feel fire. Like the fire. Well, I'm, it's yeah, a big the fire. one. Yeah, it's a fucking big one. I was always slightly wondering if I had to be on board with that one. I was like, am I on board with this? I know. I don't know if I'm on board with this. Um, but anyways. Anyway. You go from that scene where he knows that his mother has taken a further hit out on his fucking oh. life. Um. <laughs> To now, Tony Soprano, well, he he manipulates Artie in that scene. Yeah. Um, and now you're at dinner where the real manipulating begins. So that this dinner is like the calm before the storm. It's very quiet. It's the most quiet Soprano dinner, dinner that there's been. Mm -hmm. It might be a last one for a minute with both Junior and, and Livia. It might be the last one, actually, but I'm not sure yet. Um well, I just feel like the fact that Tony is sitting at dinner trying to compose himself, I mean, doing a great job with two people that want him dead at the table and eating with yeah. them. I mean, with his children. Him, and his children. How do you do that? I mean, I, I, I would assume if that was me, I would have probably been like, yeah, I'm sick. Let's not have them over this Sunday. No more Sunday dinner this week. Just saying. But Yeah. Um, anyway. She talks about another family that's been killed in California. A whole She's... family was killed of uncooked, uncooked pork. <laughs> well, later on at the season finale, when you go to black, you know, a whole family is possibly killed. Um, I don't She's know, miserable. You know. She's miserable. She's a miserable human being. And all she has to talk about is miserable things. Subject matter. Well, it also can re reference the fact that it hits down on Tony Soprano She's about to get her fucking face smashed with a pillow mm -hmm. and Junior's about to get to get killed. But I mean, he, he, she knows that Tony is going to have to take action on all of this. Yeah. So a whole family is killed by eating uncooked pork, it's, you oh know, by God. sucking dick. A whole family is fucking killed. <laughs> I mean, it's so it's crazy. Whole, I mean, it's so a mess. Keeping your enemies close. Invite them over for Sunday dinner. <laughs> exactly. So the manipulation begins. And I love the looks between Carmela and Tony. Um, you really see her concern. And I like that. Um, and then we go from this, this mess of lies of a dinner to another mess of lies in a church oh. with Artie and Father Phil. And I love that scene because you really see that Father Phil is that um, Della Croce. Yeah. <laughs> I love yep. that piece of information. I, I do too. I can't believe yeah. you're like a detective. Detective Dimitri. I love it. Um, 
but uh, he says that he has murderous urges and that he's full of rage. And I don't only hate this man, but I hate all men. I hate life. Yeah. He says, I hate life. So now he joins the existential ranks of the rest of the characters on The Sopranos. Um, But I swear to you, watch that scene again. Father Phil looks like he wants to touch Artie Puko's face and more than his face. Oh, yeah. I saw it. He's like, if you know how to cook, I will fucking do anything for you. I'm in. I'm in. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I didn't get that. I I watched it twice. I didn't get, I didn't see it, but now I'm going to watch it for the third time. Just that scene to check it out because that's interesting. This guy's a whore. This priest. He's a whore. And always trying to keep everybody honest. You know, yeah. trying to keep keep Artie Bucco honest. Let's the, talk about keeping himself fucking honest. The worst kind of whore. You don't see him coming with that disguise. Yeah, wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah. Um, so, um, so do you think that, um, well, obviously, Father Phil just like wants him to either go to jail or something. Just No, I don't think Father, I think Father Phil is, is doing truthfully what Livia's doing. I think he wants Tony to go to jail. I think he wants Tony out of the picture. He's, he's meddlesome. No, he, I don't think it's about oh, Tony. I, do. I don't think it's about Tony. I don't. I mean, right now, as of now, I don't think it's about Tony. I, I think that mm-hmm. he tr- he tries to turn people against each other like Livia does. Oh, so you just think, think about it's, just, it. it's just his thing. That's how, that's how he... Um, well, I think mis- he's a snake. Yeah. No, I think he's a snake. He's a but fucking I think snake. He's not offering any any kind of relief for any of these women. It's all phony. It's all masked mm. in 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 with this religious veil of bullshit. To my favorite scene of the whole entire episode, we are going to talk about that when Carm fucking gives it to him. Oh, yeah. that's my favorite. We're not there. We're, we're not there. But I'm going to slow down. Okay. So now we're um, with Syl, Chris, and Polly. Uh, yeah, another. And- it's all of these, all of these scenes actually, from Sunday dinner to to the church with Artie and Father Phil to Satrials with with Silvio, Chris, and Polly, where where the boss Tony Soprano comes in and and confesses that he's been seeing a psychiatrist and this is why mm-hmm. there's been a hit out on his life. He says, "I was passing out." Notice he doesn't say I was having a panic attack because yeah. a panic attack sounds weak. Like I was panicking. Like you don't want your fucking mafia boss no. to be panicking about anything. So, no. pa- you know, I was passing out. Secrets are being revealed. They're all, um, you can't really tell what's going on in any yeah. of their minds. Polly's and response to this, yeah. I love, I, oh my, well, it's not the worst thing I've ever heard. I was seeing it. Th- it's like one person admits something, it's, and then they all are like, me too, me too. Yeah. Like, yes. Except for Chris. Chris had a problem with it. No, he doesn't use, is that what you got? I got that his, this is his father figure. This is larger than life. Interesting. If Tony has these issues that he needs to go see a shrink, then he's flawed. Then it's not his his like superhero idol anymore. All of a sudden, his, his the person he wants to be in life is flawed. It's like when oh, you see, hear, I, I didn't I didn't see it that way at all. Actually, it's like I when saw you it. it's like when you realize your parents are human, you know, and they have these mistakes at some age. You're like. Oh, 
what? My dad is, my dad had issues here. What does that mean? I feel like it's the same thing. I got to rewatch it. I, I picked up something totally different. What What did you pick up? Um, I picked up that he looked confused mm-hmm. and that, he, you know, if you go back to his episodes where he's depressed, he can't mm-hmm. get out of bed for days. Now, now you see him clocking Tony Soprano being depressed, not being able to get out of bed uh-huh. in the previous episode. So the reason why he was staying so close to him was because he knew that Tony Soprano was feeling that depression and how life is nothing, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And I think Christopher's having problems with Adriana right now. So when he says to her marriage, when he says, is it like marriage counseling? Like, Mm -hmm. I think he's listening. Like, Mm -hmm. I need to be going to a therapist. I need to do this. Like, I like we have something really in common here. Um. And then when he says marriage counseling and Tony Soprano says, yeah, like that, he fucking runs out of the scene. I know. because Why he's does obs- he run out of the scene? Because he's upset. I, he can't No, because they it. never broach the fact that he was really upset. They do it the, at the very end um, of the episode, but it's more about the other two, Silvio and Pauly. Um, I think that he ru- is running to Adriana to try and fix the problems that they've been having oh, to, you know, that's you what I think. You see them in the end, in the last scene, which we'll get to, and they're fine. They're good now. Like whatever issues they had in, in a hit is a hit with her wanting, you know, him accusing her of this and wanting her to, her wanting a better life. They're fine. Well, this happens a lot on the show where they dis- where they reunite. They, they don't, they don't talk for a few, like a, a few days or whatever, and then they reunite. I think that we haven't been speaking and I think that his depression is something he identifies with in Tony. I don't think that it's, um, oh, it's the dog. He's licking his asshole. I'm oh like, my God. what is happening you- in this room? I hear something weird. It, he's not licking his asshole. I'm sorry. He's nibbling. He's biting it like it's a corn on the cob. Okay. You know when your dog does that? Well, oh my God. not anymore. But you know, Mar- Marco, you can cut all this out. Don't I, cut that out. Why Why are you such a fucking priss? Because I'm not a priss. I'm trying the young listeners will get. You the know young why? listeners in their 20s are going to think that's funny. If there's a 13 year old listening <laughs> to this show, that fucking mother is probably going to try to kill its kid too. So okay. let's move on. Moving on. Um, you don't need to cut anything out, Margo. We're going to have so many moments where, where where I'm saying don't cut and Chris says cut fans yep. out there. And I want you guys to write in when I when Chris is actually right that something should have been cut. <laughs> yeah, just write it all in, Margo. We'll talk later. Look at me. Wink. Wink. <laughs> <laughs> you have to understand, all I do is show up and talk. Chris runs yeah. the show behind the scenes <laughs> on everything. Like she's in charge of the whole business side of our yes. podcast. I know nothing. I just show up and I fucking talk and I yell at her. So, okay, where were we? My stomach is hurting right now from laughing. Okay. So now secrets have been revealed. There's a lot going on here. There's a lot at stake. Um, He says, speak now or we don't fucking talk about this again. Christopher walks out. There's a leak. There's been a leak in the ship. And speaking of leaks, I would like to give my, our sponsor, a really big thank you. Um, Proof panties. Yes, men out there. I know we have a lot of male listeners, tons. And I am going to talk about the panties that you need to go buy your wives who still bleed once a month. That's right. I just said that. This is a fucking mafia show. And I don't care because we're talking about blood anyway. 
blood. So yes, lots of blood, blood. lots of blood. And for women too, yes. they need to go buy them. And this happens and this happens. It's just, it's a part of life. You wouldn't be here if we didn't have our period once a month. And I just want you all to know that there's pictures circulating around of me doing my podcast in my <laughs> leak proof panties um, <gasps> by proof because it's the truth. Um, I have done my, 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 um, my podcast from time to time in my panties. I'm not going to lie. We've been in quarantine. People think, and people think she's wearing her sweats, people. Surprise. Yeah. And sometimes um, I'll stand up at the end of the episode and Chris will see that I'm actually in my proof panties. Here's <laughs> the thing about proof panties. They're leak proof. They don't have any harsh chemicals. They take your blood without um, having to make you look like a total um grandma with a giant maxi pad hanging out of your panties and you're wearing the big ugly grandma panties and i don't know about you guys out there the women listening but i have a 35 year old boyfriend and even if i had a 75 year old boyfriend he doesn't want to look at my depends okay he doesn't want to look at the pampers i'm wearing when i have my period once a month so now when i am laying in bed with my boyfriend he sees my sexy panties he's still trying to touch my hips and my body i'm not going to say anything else and i say no these are my period panties he's like god but they're so sexy and i'm like you're twisted get your hands off my period panties and i'm like but aren't they and then i roll over and go to sleep <laughs> so after that anyway yes i i do okay okay i'm just saying i really do love my proof panties um i know they're also for for women who have just had had children and 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 there is leakage from peeing every now and then, like a little pee leak. You know, sometimes I also like to wear them thinking that if I'm doing this podcast for three and a half hours straight, like we do sometimes, and I drink all this water, I can just I can just pee sitting oh, here shoot. while we're doing the podcast. Now, I could. Now I've heard it all. Now and I've the heard next it all. Time, you know what? I'm gonna do it on the next episode just for fun. Okay, I'm going to do I'm going to wear my proof panties. I'm going to drink a huge thing of tea and I'm going to sit here and I'm going to say, Chris, let's take a moment to talk about our sponsors. And I am going to pee into my panties to see if it holds all my pee, which I know it does, by the way, guys, because, you know, I like, you know, I like to play with things. We can both pee at the same time and see. I I think my bladder is bigger than yours. (laughs) It's like in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. There's a scene, Steve Martin and Michael Caine, and he says, um... He goes, may I go to the bathroom? (laughs) Steve Martin does. And they say, yes. And he goes, thank you. And then he puts his hand up and he's just pissing in his pants there at the, at the dinner table. That's one of the greatest scenes. Let's do that. Yes. Okay. Let's reenact dirty, rotten scoundrels. You and I. Okay. We're done. Jermaine Um, and Adriana. Oh, I love this. No, no, no. We're, we stop by the church now. We're at the church. Carmela stops by the church. She feels betrayed yet again. She feels cheated on. The emotional relationship has taken a toll on her. It's hysterical. This whole thing. She brings ZD. This whole thing um, is funny. I'm sorry. This is ridiculous. It's funny. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's female. It's the, it's the female. It's the, it's the Sopranos um, segment. You and I are like Sopranos. Sopranos. This whole thing doesn't. I I can't. It's weird, but it's funny. Yeah. She brings the spaghetti, and then he's wooing um, Rosalie. But she she needs to lead up to that great scene where she basically tells a religious man, "You need to look at yourself." And look, that can be symbolic of telling that to any organization that tries to preach what's right and what's wrong. 
What balls, um, but, that, what balls, right? For her? Well, yeah, to tell a priest that especially, yeah. but he's dehumanized, you know, he's sort of, um, he, his, he, he's become too familiar. He's become too human. I was going to say dehumanized. He's become too human with her. Mm-hmm. Um, he has too many flaws. He's not a God. He's not a priest on a dais. He's, he's not a man of God. No. He's, he's just a man. You yeah. Know. So anyway, with, with a lot of urges anyway. Um, and then we're with um, Charmaine and Adriana and she's so excited. And Adriana still wants to be in the music industry, obviously from this scene. Right. Yeah. She's going to be yeah. a music manager. Say it, do it, do it. She's going to be a music she, I manager. I want to be a music manager. <laughs> manager. manager. Um, but my favorite line is when Narducci says, the new exterminators. I got faith. <laughs> the oh new exterminators. God. I got faith. They're sticklers. It's still funny to me that people think that you have that accent because when I watch this and rewatching it, I'm like, oh my God, you speak so differently than this character. It's so not you, but it is. My voice but, is yeah. higher on the show. Oh, Although just, I thought my voice was high, but I think my voice might have been lower. I was smoking so many cigarettes back then. You said back in the day, um, back a few episodes ago, that Bama, your daughter, said it's like you're playing a 12-year-old. And I'm like, oh my yeah, God. Yeah, she says you sound like, like a baby. You're like a baby that happens to be... 30 and sexy and like all I was in my 20s there still I was 26 or 27 but it was not so much my voice I think she was referring to how awkward I always was and the way I would say things like you know my facial expressions even when Ginger and I watch it we're like (laughs) we just crack up I don't relate to but it's so having not played you. That it's not you. No, it's not and me. For me to like, there's that. That's just funny when people think that. that but I was so I was extremely self conscious as as a young girl, like beyond self conscious. So that was an easy thing for me, to, I guess, to play. But Adriana mm-hmm. was never meant to be self conscious. That wasn't written into the show. Her being a tough broad was written into the show. Not being self conscious, I think. That was something that I unexpectedly um, started to play as her. So we're in the Sopranos kitchen. Tony's super happy. Totally different demeanor, right? Maybe because he knows that Michael Palmisi is going to die soon. Yeah, Buddy Holly's playing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that in some, it makes me feel like it's like the flashbacks from the 60s where times were simpler with Junior and he remembers Uncle Junior and he remembers his father and he remembers his mother. Um, and right now he's about to kill all of Junior's accomplices, including Mikey and Livia. Like he's about to kill everybody. Yeah. Jun- Junior gets, you know, he, he gets away with it because he gets the feds come for him. Livia has her stroke, but he's about to kill everybody. And, he, and Buddy Holly's playing in the background, Rave On. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love this so, scene. I mean, I lo- I think this, this is the pre for the next scene coming up, which is Mikey Palmisi when he goes out for the run and they get him. Yeah, because nothing's more satisfying than killing Michael pa- Mikey oh, Palmisi. I was like, even though I love him. El Sapienza, and, like and, I was gonna miss him. 
And God forbid Paulie gets poison ivy because for him, he's such a quaffed, well quaffed oh, man. So and good. his skin, have, he's like, you gave me poison ivy. But he doesn't say that, but I'm just like, in his head, he's more mad at him for getting poison ivy and having to go in those woods and deal with that shit. Oh, I love it. I love and it. it's like, they bring, I, mean, I think they bring it back in the Pine Barrens um, episode yeah. years later. I mean, I Tony Soprano, uh, Tony Sirico, with anything like that, he's right. he's funny, man. I love him so it's much. It's just his delivery. It's so yeah. on point. I mean, it's like you you really felt like he was pissed. About, and then at the last scene, he's got like the poison ivy all over him. It's the it's, best. It's so great. Um, and then that weird shot, right? The point of view of the FBI from the door shots where the indictments are going down. It's like, oh, oh and the music. They have a yeah. score. I mean, I think that's a score. I don't remember. With all of that that weird beating sound. Um, but anyway, so yeah, that happens. We 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 lose Corrado Soprano, Larry Barisi, Joseph, uh, Joseph uh, Beppe, I think they usually call him, Sasso, and... You know, I think a bunch of other ones, and then the, mm-hmm. they, what are they, what's happening? The Sopranos are watching the news. Well, they're the they're news. Watching the Junior do the perp yeah. walk, and so Tony Junior protects. basically escapes by getting arrested right yep. now. Or he would have yeah. been killed. Yeah, he would have been. He would have been the next to go. And the same thing with Olivia escapes by getting a stroke, which we'll talk about. And June, the the two oldies who orchestrated all of this both escape by bullshit. Yeah. Bullshit. manipulation well no he gets he gets indicted so and arrested so but then all of a sudden we're at the we're at the nuovo vesuvio but you know what i what i noticed here which is really great mikey palmisi's wife's crying on the news and there's a kid in the background like waving and like oh i know i didn't see it see that i just like no. these little things that that david chase adds in it's just the kid's like laughing and waving and doing like these funny things that a kid would do if they're on the news. I don't, like, I don't you know, know if that was David. I don't know if that's David Chase choice. I don't even know what that, I have to see that again. Yeah. It's kind of funny. It just adds some like, it's it just layers, you know, always layers. Um, so yeah. So we're at um, Father Phil and Artie have the talk. That's where we are. Yeah. He's still trying to convince him to tell the truth. Meanwhile, He's the biggest fucking liar that there is so far. Um, yeah. Artie just then, doesn't want to deal. And then we we go to Junior in jail, which is again more more lies, lies or the truth. What like you know what is it? So well, it's just a constant thread of pride. I of feel people like that's pride lying. Against. Yeah, I'm just I just mean all of these scenes how they all run into each other and everybody's lying in every scene almost. So yeah, this is all about pride, um, and his omerta, but it's definitely pride. I mean, what does he say? If you'll testify that in fact you were not the boss of North Jersey, in fact your nephew Anthony Soprano was and is the de facto c- controlled your capo that he de facto controlled your capos um, with the backing of the New York families. I mean, it's he doesn't want to hear jokes. that. And they say to him, you're 70. How long are you going to keep eating shit? Yeah. I mean, you don't need to say that to to Uncle Junior. That'll be it. He's impulsive. Impulsive. Yeah, impulsive. The fact that this guy won't even 
admit that Tony's really running things to save his own ass in jail is just yeah. crazy to me. Your phone's ringing. Do you want to get it? I know. No, it, just, it rings. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm joking. It, remi- it reminds me of my favorite <laughs> Jimi Hendrix album that I listened to. That's a bootleg. And he sings one of my favorite songs, Angel. And, and his um, phone's ringing. And the phone never stops ringing through the whole song. I like that. That's me. I'm Jimi Hendrix right now. (laughs) Hey, Hendrix. Okay. So, Soprano House with Father Phil and Carmela, the best scene. Well, the second best scene. The best scene for me is the last scene, but this might be my second best scene. When she fucking calls him out. It's great. It's great. Well, he's already inside the house. That just starts it off as weird. And he says that Liliana let him in. Okay. Why do you truck? Because he's a fucking priest. You yeah. let him in the house b- before because of his outfit. So if he yeah. were a nice little woolly fucking sheep, he would have gotten in the house. But if there was a snake outside the door, no. No. So she's like, he's a sinner. And you came up here to eat his steaks and he uses home and you use his home entertainment center. I mean, this is how she starts the whole thing. Because he's saying, I'm concerned for Tony. And that was her response. Um the fact that she's getting the balls up to confront him for me says uh, mountains about who she is and how strong she is. Well, the, the most um, important line she says is, I think you need to look at yourself. Yeah. Because that's what this show is about, really. I mean, if you think about it, everybody is, everybody is to a degree, the main characters. They're all having moments where they look at themselves. Well, he's manipulating um, spiritually, which is like, not even trying to spiritually thirsty women and being that person for them that their husbands aren't. I mean, this is just a whole. Yeah. Um, it's like, it's like a preacher or a cult leader um, or anybody that's involved in any sort of extremism, extreme beliefs. Um, but yeah, preying on their spirituality is is definitely a way in because there's so much innocence around that. Yeah, and he makes these and women feel special. Yeah, and he makes it, they, they're taking care of him. He makes them feel special. They think he's a god. They're everything that their husbands aren't. The What they view Father Phil, of, he's like pure, and but he's really not. He's actually just as bad as their husbands. So, I mean, he she's worried about her husband cheating on her with other women, actually sticking his dick inside another human being. Here you now have a priest who's not going to do any of those things. And now you're really jealous. I know. Now you're I, jealous. This is what it takes to be jealous. Someone who enjoy someone who enjoys someone else's ziti as much think, as yours. Do you think that Tony's having an emotional affair with um, his guma? Or do you think it's just physical? No, I don't think he has an emotional affair with any of his gumars. I think all of his gumars sort of in some way have elements of Livia. Um, I think his emotional affair is with Melfi. <laughs> I do too. Yeah. So this is her emotional affair, Carms. Yeah. And she feels or- like she's being cheated on. So she goes for his jugular and his jugular is his faith and his spirituality. And she calls him out on the fact that he's full of shit. And he is. I love it. At I least Tony that. Soprano is less full of shit than Father Phil is. Yeah. Cause he calls it like it is. Yeah. He says what's going on. That to me, I can deal with that 10 times for a thousand times more than that t- other type of person who's totally. a snake. The snake, you, you, 
bye-bye. I've had and them all. I want to know you again. Had them all in my life. Yep. But this, but this, I could, I could forgive the guy who's just like, I'm an asshole. I'm trying to, or the woman, yeah. I'm an asshole. I fucked up. I'm trying to fix some shit, but I'm going to still do X, Y, and Z. Okay. Let me figure out if I can still hang out with you. But right. the person that's dressing like the sheep, like you say, and just there's, there's no help. There's no hope. There's zero. So you don't want people no. like that. Well, in your let's life. See. We, we, we still have a whole season to go. Um, ne- no, next. I will so not he, let her hang out with if him. If he takes any accountability for his actions. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. So now we're at Green Grove with Tony. And, oh, and by uh, the way, he goes to Green Grove. This is. This scene where she says Tony can't make it for dinner tonight. Tony's going to kill his mother that <laughs> night. Oh that's God, why. That's right. It's true. He's going to Green Grove. Why is he going to Green Grove? We don't know. He gets intercepted by a nurse, a doctor, the the the, the social worker. Olivia had um, stroke. He was she on was his stroke. way to kill his mother. He yeah. grabs the pillow. Yeah, I don't think he would have ever done it. Okay, but that was the, it's definitely insinuated. He walks in, he's furious, mm-hmm. and he's about to kill his mother. They've gotten rid of Mikey. Junior's gone. Last one left is Livia Soprano. He walks in there, you know, with a vengeance and grabbing a pillow until he's intercepted by one of the social workers or the paramedic. I don't know whoever it was. Um, I mean, if that's me, I'm just going to kill Uncle Junior because I would let my mother live in in this, like, I know she's old anyway and i'd be like i know all she doesn't you. and i killed care. everyone around you so now you can just be miserable alone and die alone the rest of your life but yeah he doesn't care well she doesn't care because is that a smile on her face or not again Ugh. back to the ambiguity of Ugh. of the the questions that the show raises but doesn't always answer um which is you know great art makes you think there may not be an answer, but at least it'll get you thinking and wondering what's really going on. Um, Have you ever had a conversation that meant so much to you with somebody else and they're just not there? They just like with the smile (laughs) and you're like, and you're like, I really need to let you know, this is how you made me feel. And holy shit, do you understand? And they're just like, it's, I mean, hundreds I fe- of, of conversations like that. And then I ended up walking away from every one of those people and never seeing it, them again. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I felt for Tony in this because he never got that. He never got any sort of recognition that she, I'm sorry. I, I don't know. Was he looking for that in here? Do you think? Was he no, looking for he, he, I know what you did. Your only son. I mean, your male child. I heard the tapes, the fucking FBI tapes. I mean, he goes right at her. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's like, I tried to do the right smart. thing by you and tried to ha- you try to have me whacked. She's smiling. Look at the look on her face. Well, how many fucking rocks do you think he had in his shoes for that scene? It was just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had him in his pants too. I think Ginger forgot this. You put him in his underwear, his balls. Um, I love playing scenes like that, by the way. I can imagine it must they, be they, fun. They rile me up. They really fucking crush me. Like it takes a lot of energy out of me. But but those are the kind of scenes that I would get off on. I, I can imagine. I remember I have a hospital scene with with all the men and Christopher at some point. It's coming up in the next, I don't know, couple seasons. I don't know when. Um, but that was one of my first scenes where I had to like be emotional. And I loved it. 
I'm sure that must be so fun to play a different. It's not really fun, but I felt, you know, at those different times in my life, you can almost feel like you you need it because it's, um, it's cleansing in a weird way. Cathartic. Yeah. Um, um, so anyway, that scene is that scene. I mean, that's a big, huge moment. Um, he try he's about to kill his mother and he doesn't. Does she have a stroke? A stroke means, you know, she may never have brain power again. I don't think you can um, fake that. But how do you fake that at a hospital? Like she's at a hospital portion of the nursing home. You can't fake a all stroke. she has to say is my left arm is going numb. My face feels numb or my, my you can say the whole right side of my body feels numb. Oh, really? Um, okay. You can pretend know. that you can't speak anymore or that you can't read. I was a hundred. My father had a stroke. My father had a stroke when I was pregnant with Blackjack. Mm-hmm. My mother was on drugs at the time. So she, we were all not, we were kind of writing her off. We didn't even realize she had dementia yet. So I'm dealing with a father who has a stroke, a mother who has dementia and we don't know it yet. And I'm pregnant with my boy. And we're in the Hamptons in the blizzard. It was right after Christmas. And um, my brother comes knocking on my door and he's freaking out. I need you. I'm afraid something's going on with daddy. Something's going on with daddy. So I rush downstairs. My mother's not even down there. She's still fucking sleeping. Um, and my dog was at my door all night scratching and I was exhausted. I was like, the dog has been scratching my door all night. I, I fucking am exhausted. But I, I run downstairs to see what's going on. And my dad's standing by the window looking out at the bay. And he goes, I, this is my worst nightmare, but I think oh, I'm no. having a stroke. And he's standing there. I go, <sighs> I go, what do you feel? He goes, my right arm is numb. And I said, shit. Um, I said, let's sit down. Come on. And the dog runs down and starts licking his hands. She was by the door all night because he was up all night starting to have the stroke. And the fucking dog she knew, knew it. it. She Dogs knew it. Yeah. She's like, he's like, I didn't sleep all night. And it's funny. None of my brothers... My other brother was gone already, but my one brother couldn't deal with what was going on. He was freaking out. So you call the pregnant one. I'm like, this <laughs> pregnant, you know? Of course. Um, yeah. And I had to deal with the whole thing. And there was a blizzard and we couldn't get the car there. By the time the ambulance got there, he lost all mobility on the right side of his body. Jesus. My dad lived through the stroke, everyone, by the way, but he's not alive now. Moving on. <sighs> oh my god can we just end there jesus Christ. moving on anyway. he goes to melfi's um there's some saucy um music playing in the background oh, and then no the lights there. go out yeah no one's there the janitor says she went on vacation boom the lights start to flicker out um that's very telling symbolic a choice obviously the lights are out meaning you know this is no this, this is closed for business right now yeah. you know observing your subconscious all of this stuff your his anchor is now gone um now so it's ne- back to him and his family with with then they're talking about an uh cousin patty or something a sister patty which mm-hmm. i've read repeatedly that People have said that was an inconsistency. Like there is no Aunt Patty. She it was doesn't never matter. I read that too. Yeah. And I think that's bullshit because in Italian culture, which you have too, when you have good friends that are like cousins, you call them aunts. Like right, Aunt right. Patty. So it's like, everyone's like debating this in the Sopranos thing, but like uh, you can, I'm yeah, sure, write me if I'm wrong, but yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. But I will say I miss those, I miss those East Coast rainstorms. Right. <sighs> 
I so love magical. those rainstorms. Magical. They're magical. Yeah. They really are. Um, Especially going they, in. What, going into what? The fall? The summer? No, the, re- the restaurant. Like, I just think the restaurant. That restaurant with the candle. <laughs> I'm thinking about the. I'm thinking of. No, that restaurant that they were they were going into. Vesuvius. I know. I was back in the Hamptons in in my house. Oh. <laughs> with, I was back in New York watching a storm out the big windows out the backyard. Oh, that's nice. That's nice too. With okay. my dad, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways, oh. um, yes, dinner at Artie's restaurant. They run in there. They don't want to let them in. Car- I have to say, Charmaine is relentlessly um, awful in her expressions and how she just doesn't want them there. And then when you, when they open the door and you see that, um, everyone's you there. see that Sylvie, that everyone's there, you're like, wow, that's really mean. Like he's yeah. really being cast out. Um, they were she's almost got no begging love. to get in. Like the, what they were saying, like, like we have no food, we blah, blah. And like, really, you're going to turn down this guy? You just had an altercation. Wait, I'm sorry. You just pulled a gun on him. It's <laughs> like, not him though. It's Charmaine. I know, but Jesus. I don't Yeah, it yeah. was, it was a lot. Like she's really fucking tough. Um, so when I saw everybody in there, it made me feel sad. I will say though, as an actor, when I got that script, and I saw that I was included in the season finale's last scene. Oh, and I wasn't yeah. a series regular yet. I was really excited. I would be too. <laughs> I knew that, that meant been... that I was coming back. Oh, and he kisses your, when you walk in, I'm just remembering. He totally grabs your hand, Tony, and kisses it. Like he just, he pays homage to you. Like he's like, right? Doesn't he kiss you? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. someone says you look pretty or you look beautiful yeah. or, or some uh, shit like that. But um. It was, uh, I just couldn't believe that I got to be included in that. Like, I felt like for the first time in my acting career and in my own life, I felt like I was finally really a part of something. That's amazing. And I was excited. I knew I was going to probably go back if the show went back because they ended with me there with them. So on the inside, like I was on the inside. I wasn't on the outside for a change. That's awesome. So that felt really good. But um, anyway, that whole, that whole scene... So um, I thought it was pretty funny that 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 uh, this is where you first hear Tony Sirico say his famous word, irregardless. <laughs> um, the fact that he has an issue with the shrink only because it's a woman. I know. I know. I thought was funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the toast, Tony's toast with his family, which is yeah. Great. And I I also go back to that scene with Michael Rispoli, which is Jackie April. It's a dream sequence early on in the season. I can't remember which episode it was, but he's all connected to the wires. He's smoking. Um, it's where uh, he says he meant he talks about storms. I think he talks about storms and I don't know if he talks about a gun with a fish. I, I've said this before on the show and I could be wrong. And I'm sure some fans might be annoyed. But anyway, he does, he's connected to wires, which to me symbolizes all the wires and the rats and the possibility of even Livia wearing a wire if she, you know, that whole scene with Kiki was recorded on the street, unless there was a mobster behind her, not a mobster, an FBI agent behind them in that scene. But anyway, um, in that scene, he says storms are coming, I think. Mm-hmm. And now this is the final storm of the series. You know, you start with the wind in Isabella. All this wind is building up. And now there's this storm. Now there's a tree storm. is down. Um, mm-hmm. A tree is down. Yeah. Family, so, which yeah. represents his family. Uh-huh. 
Um, and then Springsteen State Trooper leads us out into the end credits. Which I love because we can go right into... Yes, we can. We can go can. right into music. We can go yes. right into the music segment from that Let's with State it. Trooper. Um, State it. Trooper plays over the credits and a couple of the lines from that song. Let's see. Let's um, see your shirt. Let me see your shirt for all our you YouTube know, people. All our YouTube yep. people. I got my Bruce Springsteen shirt on. Yes, and, you do. Um, we used to get to go to all the Springsteen shows back in the day and have mm. the best seats in the house and go backstage and the whole thing because of Stevie. Then it started to get to be a little too much once the show started having many seasons. So eventually they would give us like a place to pay for our tickets, but we knew we were going to get great seats. So they weren't always free, but the first time around it was, and it was very cool. Um, So I got to take a lot of people to see, to to see the boss. But anyway, in that song, a couple of lyrics, I'll just jump around. New Jersey Turnpike, Riding on a Wet Night. License Ugh. registration, I ain't got none, but I got a clear conscience about the things that I'd done. I miss um, New Jersey just hearing that. Ugh. Oh, okay. New Jersey Turnpike riding on, yes. a, riding on a wet night. The, on a yes. wet night. Nice. Mm-hmm. License registration, I ain't got none, but I got a clear conscience about the things I'd done. Mr. State Trooper, please don't stop me. Maybe you got a kid. Maybe you got a pretty wife. The only thing that I got's been bothering me my whole life. Life, yeah. Um, Amazing. His evil mother. And then at the end, it says, it's just talk, 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 talk till you lose your patience. Mr. State Trooper, please don't stop me. Could reference, you know, how he's about to kill his mother. Yep. Um, And the only other song that that struck me in the episode, even though we have tons of we have tons of songs. I mean, we open with, with Stevie. Um, we have the hotel killing scene is a song called wood cabin by Saint Etienne. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll remember April by Bobby Darren, who I love is when, um, the girls are having lunch at the restaurant. That's appropriate restaurant music. Um, and it's also, Mm -hmm. yeah, I've got you under my skin. Oh, that's Frankie Valley. Yeah. There's two, there's two songs going. They must, is there a switch, an old switcheroo? I don't know. Um, we got Groove Me, which is one of my favorite songs. Um, mm-hmm. Screaming Cheetah Willies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Bad You Know, R.L. Burnside, which I love, which starts the, um, and all they say throughout the whole song is, it's bad, you know, it's bad, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do we have? Uh, the choir music, when they're in church. The Four Sections by Andrea Parker Mix by Steve Rake. Rave On by Buddy Holly. Yeah, that one I talked about. Um, mm-hmm. That's when he gets all, when he's all excited that morning and they're like, oh, you're in a good mood. Yeah. Um, I but think inside of me, well, inside of me though, some of the lyrics, and this is when he comes out of Satriali's the very beginning and download the song and listen to it because it's a really, really great one. Inside um, of me, everybody's yeah. Inside of me is so good because it's kind of got the 1950s, 60s vibe that Stevie, you know, Stevie always likes all these kind of garage bands, but it's got that that thing going also. And the, some of the lyrics are, "I know it still remains because I'm still the same, and there ain't nothing gonna change my mind because I've spent my whole life just trying to find something I know I need but can't define." 
Trapped by the locked doors, you never could get in. I'm still alive inside of me. It never died inside of me. And then it kicks in that scene where he walks out the door. Now I know that we're a little bit older. And um, it's, it makes me think of when he was a little kid playing with Junior in the flashbacks. And now he's saying goodbye to Junior after Junior gives him the okay for the whack. And he's got this, like, he looks like a child, Tony Soprano. Yeah. Like, he's, like, sending them off, like, I am going to kill all of you. All of you. Do you understand You're that? You're going, going to, to fucking die. die. <laughs> yeah. And he looks so happy and, like, a, just a little mischievous kid with Stevie's song playing in the background. Now I yeah. know that we're a little bit older. And I'm going to yeah. fucking destroy you all. Anyways, food. Come on. You want to, you want to, why don't you pronounce this, this oh, pasta fuck dish? Off, dude. <laughs> fuck you. Come on, you pronounce no. it. No. Oh, this is your little manipulative way of getting back into Honestly, I never know it. how to. You know why I said that? Because I never know how to say the name of this fucking sauce. This sauce annoys me, but I'm going to go for it. Um, it's Bucatini. They're shortening it. Bucatini Matriciana. 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 That's it. Bucatini Matriciana from, from Amatrice, I guess. And um, I never order this sauce. It's a pepper-based sauce and it's got guanciale, which is like a kind of like a pancetta. Anyway, so that's that pasta. You put some onion in there, a little bit of tomato and basil. Okay, goodbye. Zabalion is delicious. We always make that. Um, it's with a lot of egg yolks and sugar and sweet wine. Um, you can do it. You can put wine in there, but you should, I don't normally do that. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah, you can put another, any kind of booze in it. Anyway, it's like a custardy, it's a very lightly whipped custard dessert, and I like it with strawberries. Yum. Anyway, cavatelli with duck ragu. We never say cavatelli, we say gavadil. A duck ragu, very strange choice of sauce, but I think we know why they did that. Mm-hmm. Um, but here it says here, Margot gave us our notes here. It says commonly cooked with garlic and broccoli rub. Oh. You mean cavadil is, not duck ragu, because I don't know how the duck ragu sauce goes. I like my cavadil with spicy hot sausage and broccoli rabe with a nice sage butter sauce. Oh my God, that sounds so good. Okay. Mafia lingo, um, easy, soupy. Campare, partners, accomplices, buddies. Mia culpa, my fault. Chris, I know you like this one. Which one? Faccia brutta. Oh, I don't see that. Where is that? Oh, faccia brutta. Yeah, ugly face. But it's kind of like a pretty face, too. You were like, it's an endearing. Yeah, it yeah. Be, it could be both. People will it, say it to their cute. Yeah, they're cute little babies. Faccia brutta. Okay. Yeah. Ugats. 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 It's like. Do you know which one I, mean, I did? You know which one I didn't what? know is the next one? Struns. Struns. Oh, Struns is one of my dad's favorites. What a Struns that guy is. It's like really? a real piece of shit. Yeah, I didn't know that. But I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know what that meant. Okay. Total. Um, All right. What else we got? Who got whacked? We're freaking Jimmy. done. We're What's done. Up? Oh, by the way, yeah, we got we had a few murders in this one. Um, who were our murders? Who, who got whacked? Jimmy? We got three three murders in this episode. Jimmy Alter Altieri. No, you said it right. Ah! I don't like when you say it right. Say it wrong. Oh my god. I got murdered for saying his name wrong. And by the way, I'm going to mispronounce all these Italian names. It's my favorite. I know. Go ahead. Keep going. No, that's How do you it. say uh, this name? Chucky Signore. 
Where's Chucky? I don't have that in my notes. I didn't write Chucky, that down. Chucky, Signori, and Mikey Palmis. They all get killed in this episode. They're all they're all juniors guys. I'm happy, Michael. Um, not, well, Jimmy's Mike. not juniors guy. Um, and by the way, I think so far we're up to f- maybe 15 deaths. Not all murders, but I think we're up to 15 deaths in season one. Hmm. So that's that. I'm, and, I'm uh, glad Michael, Mikey Palmis is gone. Bye-bye. I'm not. I love him. I mean, I love him, but I hate, I love to hate him. Anyway, what a great episode today was, right? I know, that's our season finale. I love it. So yes, we went a little long, but you know what? It's a finale, so we can. Not even a guest and we went long. I love it. I wasn't sure if we were going to have that much to talk about today, but it looks like we really digressed (laughs) and we're all over the place. I really hope our fans really like like (laughs) us now. I really hope they listen. They listen to after maybe an hour. I don't know. We went on for two and a half hours, but you know what? Who cares? We had fun. Yeah, that's true, Chris. True. True. Anyway. That's it for episode 13. Tune in next week where we kick off season two, where we'll hopefully find out about all the unanswered questions we still have. Like, where is pussy? Was Livia's memory loss real? What happens to Junior? Where did Melfi go? I don't know. (laughs) How are Dre's um, proof panties doing? I think they're doing great. All these things. Anyway, can Chris and Dre pee it while they're doing their podcast? Yeah, and then we can go for four hours next time. Oh, yeah. Anyway, that's it, guys. Thank you for being with us for the last um, 13 weeks in quarantine. Um, We've all taken this ride together, it's been pretty wild, and um, I'm glad that we could keep you company during this crazy time in all of our lives across the land. Uh, Signing off until next week. Subscribe and like and write a kind review, please. (laughs) That's not what I was waiting to hear. No! See you on the turnpike! Oh, shit! See you on the turnpike! (laughs) (laughs) Made Women is a Calvary audio production produced by Brandon Morgan and co-produced by Margot Carmichael. Executive produced by Keegan Rosenberger and Dana Bernetti. Executive produced by Dre DiMatteo and Chris Kushner. Edited by Podblade.